That's ridiculous. Oh, God. As long as he's got his medal in the end, that's all that matters. That's right. He did in the last one, if you saw it. Yeah, I know. I saw it, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We've ruined that. craziest thing that's happened is when Prince invited me and Captain to meet with him in New York in 2010. Captain. Anytime Prince gets on the guitar and he starts getting up near that top fret, just get ready to blow your head off. Player. Oh my god, that's the Minneapolis sound right there. Toe Jam. There's just layers and layers of stuff going on in his music all the time in every speaker. Find Peach and Black on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. This is Sonny T, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is your boy, Mr. Hayes, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's happening, y'all? This is Tony M, and y'all listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. The fellas, getting it in. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We are gathered here again, once again to discuss even more 1999 goodness. But before we do that, let me introduce the panel, as always, from left to right. It is Player. And I'm doing better on my own. Oh, and Toe Jam. Oh, someone call the colonel. I hear some chicken scratching. (laughs) (laughs) Captain. Ah, the FBI is looking for his ass. (laughs) (laughs) And it's me, Rob S. in the place. To be. And uh, yeah, this is just going on and on, isn't it? The Peach and Black Podcasts review and assessment of the 1999 Super Deluxe release. Companion. is The companion. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Okay. So before we jump into the vault tracks of the 1999 Super Deluxe release, if you love what we do as Peach and Black Podcast, there's now another show. It's called Peach and Black Plus. For more details, just go to peachandblackplus.com. Yeah. Check it out. Today is our part four of our multi-part review of the 1999 Super Deluxe set. And we are still talking about unreleased music. Well, it has been released, but prior to this coming out, a lot of this stuff was unreleased. Never before heard goodness. And we're going to do eight tracks today, our famous track-by-track review. We're, of course, going to begin where we left off or leap off from where we left off. God, I'm not making any sense tonight, am I? In the last Why, episode, why make it any different from any other show? <laughs> why start now? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know. Um, uh-huh. purple, music was, <laughs> purple Music was the last song we reviewed in the most recent episode. And today we're going to start off with... Track four on disc three, Yeah, You Know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you 
take this review away, Captain. Oh, yeah. okay then. There's <laughs> <laughs> a fan well, in the house, clearly. One thing you can say about this whole bunch of vault tracks is it definitely showcases the wide styles of songs that he did. Like, this doesn't sound like anything else he did. I mean, you can pick out little things and you're like, oh, that sounds a bit princey. But overall, like, whatever genre this song is, it's not something he usually did. Interesting fact, recorded on the same day as Horny Toad. So you can tell he wow. was he was definitely in some sort of mood that day from the <laughs> these sort of songs. Yeah, you know, you know. I think I mentioned this on another track, but the one thing about a bunch of these vault tracks that are not like fully completed songs in some ways, they lack the bells and whistles that like an officially released album track would have. So in that way, there's not that much to say about it. I mean, I don't mind the style of his vocal, even though it sounds a bit lazy, it makes up for it with, with the attitude, so I can I can take that. But it's very repetitive, it's pretty much the same, the entire track, there's no bridge, there's no changes, there's nothing, it's just those, the same riff, the entire song, same three chords, the whole time. In that way, it's a very lazy track, which is funny, because being lazy is like a sort of theme in this song, so it's, <laughs> was that on purpose? Who knows? I don't know. Um, you know the funniest line in this is right at the end just where he says you got any lewds I just find that very funny <laughs> um, what does he say you got any what lewds as in quaaludes as in those things <laughs> um, but you know overall this song is okay I don't know what song you could put after purple music that you know I mean how do you come how do you what do you do after that? So this is as good a choice as any. But like, That's probably a good idea, yeah. actually. It's going to be a downer no matter what it is, so you might as well put this one on. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing in particular that stands out for me in this track. You know, it's making fun of that Minneapolis... Like, that. the accent is just hilarious to me. <laughs> and it was funny because sometimes you heard Prince do that accent. Mm. I mean, he had it, but it wasn't strong. But sometimes... It he was really it obvious, like maybe when he'd been <laughs> hanging around there maybe for a while, it was more <laughs> obvious. But yeah, I, I don't know much else to say. It's it's okay. It showcases the different sort of stuff he could do. But on the other hand, it's not a great song. That's all I've got to say. Okay. Those are Captain's thoughts. Player, what did you think of this one? Oh, well, isn't this a chirpy little song? <laughs> um, it, it starts with a fairly driving beat, but 12 seconds in, we're introduced to an interesting little riff. You know, the dun, 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 dun. And every time I hear it, I'm on the verge of breaking into sunny days, <laughs> sweeping the clouds yep. away. Yeah, it's the riff is so derivative of Sesame Street theme song. You know, it makes me wonder if that was it's part of the inspiration similar. musically. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's musically the backbone of this hmm. track. Thematically, it reminds me a little bit of the times after high school in the sense the lyrics are asking these rhetorical questions. You know, what's the matter with you? And... What are you going to do after high school? That sort of style of thematical mm. lyrics in this era. Um, spit when you talk, smelling like gasoline, unemployed watching TV, there's more to life, etc., etc. It's all in a tongue-in-cheek fun way, and he's aiming this song at certain types of people in a non-aggressive way. So it's a sort of fun send-up track. I can see one of his associate artists maybe taking this track on, but it's very distant thematically from 1999, so... I can totally understand why it didn't make the album. I mean, this is a fun song, no doubt. It has all the hallmarks of pop sensibilities, but it, you know, for me, it really has that TV commercial 
jingle vibe for a, th- <laughs> for a theme park or something. Like when I play this song in my mind's eye, I see a family on a roller coaster, a kid coming down a water slide, <laughs> some people dancing around in character suits, everyone clapping their hands. Yogi Bear. <laughs> yeah, Yogi Bear, that sort of thing. And then some voiceover, get your $99 season pass right now. Are we at SeaWorld or the Gold Coast? <laughs> Like it has that vibe to me. It's got like this TV jingle thing, you know. So this is this is enjoyable, but it's not essential for me. This track, so yeah, that's <laughs> oh, that's God. where I'm at. Where it's very Sesame Street. It's very TV jingle. Yeah. You know, when you said TV jingle, I initially my initial response was to laugh, but then I w- was reminded. I can't remember whether it was Chris Moon or Owen Husney. I believe it was a Chris Moon interview that he did not a few years ago, quite recently, where he spoke about. Prince uh, recording yeah. some of his earliest music that ended yeah. up being TV jingles. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's just, I'm not saying this is one of them, <laughs> but based on your mm-hmm. description, it very well might be. Yeah, is this as good a TV theme tune as, um, what was that song on Emancipation? Damned If I Do? <laughs> is that the one? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's like, a, that's like that, a, the Friends. That's, that's, the, that's friends the 90210. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> Saved by the bell. <laughs> All right, uh, let's keep it moving. Toe Jam, what do you think about this? Um, this had been circulating uh, a little bit uh, in some circles prior to this release, but all the versions that I was aware of were from like 1986 that had like overdubs with Eric Leeds and yeah. uh, presumably Atlanta Bliss on the trumpet. So that's interesting that a few years later he picked this up and, and got Eric in Atlanta, presumably, to do some stuff on it. But even then it didn't really add anything to the song. I think the big thing about this is that this is kind of let's go crazy mid-tempo. What? Absolutely. There's so many similarities to let's go crazy. It's like this is the boring idea that then later turned into the great let's go crazy. Um, (laughs) Here we go. This is dance for me all over again. Let's go. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The bit that goes, what's the matter with you? It's I'm all excited. I don't know why. It's. Basically the same kind of melody, that Mixolydian thing where he's playing around on the, the three and the four notes of the scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the chugging guitars, the Lin, obviously. It's in F, which is close to F sharp, which is what um, uh, Let's That's Go Crazy is in. Yep. So listen to this song and think of it as a proto version of Let's Go Crazy. I think he had this idea and then one day he thought, what if I speed this up? And then that was the, the genesis of Let's Go Crazy. It wouldn't surprise me at all. He seems like he has like a slight kind of UK accent when he says disco. You know, at the disco. <laughs> Like um, Captain was saying. Apologies um, to our UK audience. (laughs) Yeah, for the terrible impression. He did that a lot in these like sort of rockabilly, almost punk things. He put on this sort of funny, sort of UK accent. Yeah. Uh, The other thing with the Let's Go Crazy, it's got that synth. That synth line is very. um, That's not the right sound, obviously, but that that kind of line is very let's go crazy Uh, and the same kind of sound that he used. Uh, But yeah, like Captain was saying, it's basically Prince poking fun at slackers, living in a bag of fast food. Uh, There's more to life than spitting on your food, this kind of thing. (laughs) And a little bit of an in-joke for the Peach and Black podcast members. I'm using my pop filter tonight, so there won't be any spitting while I talk. (laughs) (laughs) I think we might be the only three people that actually get that joke, but yeah. That's that's fine. (laughs) We've got, to, uh, we've got to enjoy something. Yes. Thank you for listening That's to the Peach and Black podcast. 
Hey, there you go. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's a theme that he sort of returned to quite a bit on songs like Style, where he's like, got the guy saying, you yeah. know, I ain't got no job, but I got Style. And, yeah. and um, Bob George, you know, for someone who can't stand no TV dinners, you sure eat enough of those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Uh, also, it's 1982. You know what Prince's favorite topic was, the apocalypse. And yep. right towards yep. the end, the guy says, like, you know, I wouldn't get a job if the world was going to end soon. Uh, it's like what was a very weird reference to put in there mm. um, I mean the only other thing I had is that you know in the left speaker you've got that synth line that sort of thing and then the right has the other synth which is kind of more of that chugging you know whatever it is yeah. uh, and that just goes like Captain was saying it's just it just gets a bit repetitive it goes a little bit too long so um, I also had that this sounds like a TV jingle, boring sitcom theme music. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. You listen to it. You can listen to it and enjoy it for what it is, but it's not something you're going to return to, uh, which is obviously why it never came out officially at the time. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's a Prince outtake. It's good for what it is, but it's nothing special. Let's just quickly reference the 1986 version because we probably will never get any other chance to talk about it. With the overdubs of the Eric Leeds. Is this the one that's on the collector's market? Oh, yeah, that, you could call it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awful. Like, when I heard it, and I heard, I think it's saxophone, I'm not sure, but it sounds like he just grabbed anybody. It sounds like Prince did it, really. It sounds like he just grabbed anyone off the street. Can you play the saxophone? Oh, let's say, give it a go. It sounds awful. I cannot believe that that's literally yeah. Eric Leeds. It sounds, I think it's, it's the like, trumpet solo. It's uh, it's. Oh, I, mean, I don't know who it is, and I mean, just it, it from memory, sound good. I think it's Atlanta Bliss, but it's. Oh man! But the I thing is, know. like, it could be a case of Prince wants you to play the solo bad because that's kind of the theme the of the song. Sloppy like, yeah. like sloppy, yeah, sloppy and yeah. slacky kind of thing. But it just oh. doesn't. I think that was the intent, oh. but it doesn't come across that way. He sent them just the drum track, and he's like, "Do the solo in eight. Hmm. And then he adds that back later on, it's in F. <laughs> That's why it sounds so god-awful. It's hmm. totally wrong. Anyway. Get your season pass right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the first thing that I heard when I played this was Devo. That's the first thing that popped up into my mind. Oh, yeah. There's a little whip bit it. of like a... That's it. When I think of yep. <laughs> Devo, I think of whip it. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that. A lot of people probably think that, but in this instance, that's the similarity. It's the the similarity to the uh, motif, the keyboard or synth motif in Whippet, very similar to this. So this came out or was recorded dun, a couple dun, dun, years dun, after. Dun, yeah, that's, dun, 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 dun. that's exactly dun. it. And there's a huge similarity to me when I listen to it, when I listen to the Devo track to this. So check out Devo's Whippet if you're not familiar with it for our younger listeners. And... The other Devo track that there's some vague similarity is a song called Freedom of Choice, but to a much mm. lesser degree. So if you haven't checked that out, um, look into that. And there's one more track, again, I believe that came out in the early 80s, actually late 79, I want to say. So certainly a couple of years before Prince's uh, track. The band is called M, as in the letter M, and the song is called Pop Music. Yeah, <laughs> You're probably yeah. familiar with that. It's a bit of a one-hit wonder. YouTube that one and do a comparison. But the comparisons don't end there. The credits or liner notes for this song actually refer to a song way, way back from the mid-60s, 1966, in fact. The song is called Dirty Water and the band of the Standells. If you listen to that, it's not similar. It's basically identical. 
So I don't know if Prince heard that track. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. He would have been, what, eight years old at that point? Uh, That was a song that was played on the radio. So it's just interesting, isn't it? Like where you pick sounds up from. So um, Even Sesame Street. (laughs) Sesame Street on Quaaludes, apparently. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So there's that, right, to start with. But it can't be taken seriously. It's half goofy. Yes, it's making fun of tryhards and calling people out. You know, the sort of characters that you find kind of wasting their life away. There's that colloquial Minneapolis talk that you guys mentioned. Even the phrase, yeah, you know, is allegedly a Minneapolisism, if that's even a word. So it's kind of like an early diss track to me. And Prince is just dissing people that he feels are no-hopers or, you know, they're not really doing anything with their lives. Kind of doing In the nicest possible way. Yeah, correct. (laughs) With his tongue in his cheek, with a bit of a bubblegum, bubblegum pop track. The spit when you talk line, so funny. Um... (laughs) I can't think of too many lyrics in a Prince song that I laugh. I mean, there are. There's a handful, maybe even more than that. But this is definitely one of them. Hilarious. Combined with the Bob George one that Toe Jam threw out earlier. (laughs) The last bit is just him being a fool, right? So this song has got so much humor and his tongue is firmly in his cheek. Therefore, it's a ditty. I've said this so many times over the years. It's just another little pop ditty. But this one doesn't really do much for me. Like, it's... It's okay. If anything that's on this set wasn't on it, I think the set would be poorer for it. So I'm happy with everything. And when the estate comes out with another set, put on as much of this sort of unreleased stuff as possible. Yeah, totally. But this is more like a this is more like a curiosity though. It's like an interesting thing to hear. And some people will enjoy it, but I am way more intrigued by some of the other songs on here. So um Well, we sort of mentioned this, this on a few of the other tracks, and that is, you know, like some of these songs were never even intended to go on 1999. They were just mm. recorded around that time. So yeah. I guess the estate had the decision, well, this was all 1982 stuff. We can put that all on this 1999 Deluxe. But then there's also the option of just putting songs on here which were seriously thought about being on the album. Mm. And then I don't know if they've thought far enough ahead to just put out an album of like 1982 Volt tracks, which yeah. weren't intended for any album. Yeah. So there's I think that. it would probably get sticky in terms of yeah. well, what you know, where's the yeah. line going to be drawn? Like, was yeah. this considered? He might have thought about it one day, and then, but then, is that really considered, or mm. does it need to actually be? You know, he made a pressing or something like that, or he said, "I'm making this song to go on the album." Yeah, oh, well. I don't want to start too much controversy, but but it's a yeah. it's a ditty. It, it that's what it is to me. It's a bit of a ditty track. My, my, I wouldn't say my mind is blown, but my, my mind is half blown by the Let's Go Crazy comparison, Toe Jam. I, I still can't, in, in a way, hear it, even though you've given some examples. It's that, that sound. Oh, that bit, the first bit. Mm. Hmm. Oh, yes. Am I playing Let's Go Crazy or am I playing yes, Yeah, yes. You Know? Yeah. <laughs> It's that. that and now I can hear it. It's that. Dum, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it's the first bit. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for that. Now You're you right. know. <laughs> now you know. Now I know. That was terrible. Okay. With that track out of the way, let's move on to track number five, which is, of course, Moonbeam Levels. 2019 remaster in brackets. Yep. Yep. Very important to mention that because this was 
released on the 2016 compilation Prince Forever. Forever. And um, this is apparently a better sounding version. <gasps> is it? We're about to talk about that and other good things. Um, Toe Jam, why don't you take this one away? Okay, I love this song. This is really spectacular. I'm going to try not to speak too long on this one. So if you feel like I am, just say, that's enough. Um, <laughs> Shut up. All right. So I first heard this on the Jewel Box, box set like a lot of these. Um, and I think it was probably under the incorrect title, A Better Place, to, place die, to Die, which a lot of bootlegs had it as at the time. Um, it's probably one of his most well-known bootleg songs because uh, it's on like every compilation and Prince kind of teased that he would, well, he didn't tease, but you know there was talk that or some consideration that it was going to be in Purple Rain, didn't eventuate. And then obviously in the Graffiti Bridge movie, you know, he's flipping through the lyric books or the, the no- music notation and you see Moonbeam le- levels in there. So it's one of those songs that sort of has a bit of history to it. Um, my understanding is that it was originally intended for the 1999 album, but it was replaced by Free. And Ugh. my mind just still boggles every time time i think that i mean free is a great song every song on 1999 is great but i don't know this song i just think is so much better in so many ways it's and it's also more thematically fitting within the 1999 album i really think the only way you could make the greatest album of all time even better is replacing free with moonbeam levels wow um okay so like um like you were saying mc was originally released on the forever release a few years ago However, I'm pretty sure that was like ripped from the circulating bootleg, which was already sounding very, very good at the time. I think this one does sound a little bit better. It does sound like it's from the the master tapes. And um, obviously it has that ending as well, which was unheard, you know, the little fade out and then little tiny little fade back in, which is very interesting. All right, so I'm going to get into the song now. I'll start with the music side of things. I just love that sparse kick drum opening with the explosion sounds. It, it really kind of paints that sort of lonely feeling, just the kick drum alone. You know, it's similar. He does a similar thing on um, Crystal Ball. You know, it just starts with the kick yeah. drum alone. Stealing my notes uh, again. Really cool. And um, then you've got that, you know, really famous among Prince fans, uh, that descending uh, melody line that. Down a Lydian scale. Um, which. And he obviously, when he sings the verse, he's singing along with that line as well. So it's kind of the piano-led um, yeah. melody line, which brings me to the song Planet Earth, which a similar thing <gasps> happens in Planet Earth. The same kind of scale. It's in a different key, but it's, it's a still the Lydian scale. So it's like similar kind of chords being used. Uh, and the fact that it's led by the piano and Prince's vocal melody follows that. They are the two similarities between the two songs, in case you were wondering. Yeah, so it's got this great sort of up and down melody. Like I was saying, um, so the melody is obviously going down to start with. And then it goes up. And then down again. So it's, it's just this really beautiful up and down, like flowing rivers and mountains and hills and valleys. You know, it's just <laughs> that's what you want in a melody. You don't want a melody that just like hangs around on the same note and plays the same thing. You want something that explores some territory, which is what this does. All right, so I'll talk a bit about the chords. So obviously we're starting an F sharp major and it's that Lydian sound, like I was saying. And then he goes to a D major, which is kind of very far away from F sharp major, especially F sharp Lydian. So two very different kind of chords. Uh, he makes them work. Then in the chorus, it goes to more of a traditional kind of um, chord progression. And you're expecting it to go, but of course he does a sort of rock ending to it. So 
So that's kind of cool, interesting as well. But then my favorite part of the chords is the is the bridge or the turnaround, I guess you could call it, where it goes to this uh, B flat minor. the D major chord again which uh, again is far away from F sharp but it's already been set up in your head from earlier that we're going from the D back to the F sharp so it's like I just love the chords in this They're, they go in very like lots of different chords um, all over the keyboard goes in lots of different directions but there's little certain notes and chords that when he does hit those odd chords it doesn't sound that far removed because he's already kind of established it earlier um, so just brilliant composing I think amazing stuff and also the arrangement as well, like the way he, sometimes he just sings the vocal line, other times he sings it with the guitar playing those notes along with him. So all these little different variations. Okay, so I get to the lyrics now. Peggy McGreary, or was it Susan Rogers? I, f- I forget who, but said that this was one of his most lyrically honest songs, which is very interesting. I mean, it definitely has that 1999 futuristic apocalyptic theme, you know, nuclear yeah. World War Three. someone's living on Saturn or whatever it is, and there's, there's a sense of loneliness there as well. Um, but it's kind of hard one to say, is it, a, is it a sad song, a lonely song, or is it is it a happy song? It's, it's kind of, it's in the middle there, like a reflective kind of song. Like, where, where does this fit on the emotional spectrum? It's, it kind of hits a few different points. You've got some different... The only thing that kind of sticks out to me a bit is the the bridge lyrics. It doesn't really match the story with what's already going on. Uh, you know, when he starts singing about, you know, newborn child knows nothing of destruction. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, where's this coming from? This is sort of away from the, the story of what he was setting up about this lonely guy asking for moonbeam levels to be sent to him. But that bridge lyric is kind of similar to sexuality. Sexuality, like, you know, yeah. Yeah, don't let your children... Are you reading my notes, you know. man? I was going to say, <laughs> that little child line, that was mine. You bastard. <laughs> well, player took my sitcom line, so there you go. TV jingle, yeah. So, the, and again, it's a story about someone writing a story, uh, which is always an interesting kind of meta analysis on on oneself. And I really love the lyric. I just love the quirkiness of this lyric. Um, said he'd never keep diaries to learn from his mistakes, and said he'll just repeat all the good things that he's done. I mean, that is so clever that lyric because yeah. everyone always. The moment you hear the word diary, you think, oh, it's why do you have a diary? It's because you can not repeat the bad things you've done. And just to twist that on its head and say, no, no, no. Well, what about the opposite? You know, you've obviously done good things. So if you don't keep a diary, you're just going to keep repeating. It's just like, I love the way Prince, it's it's this kind of rebellious thing. If you tell him something, he'll go, no, what about this perspective? And he's just like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Like, I just think that's a great lyric. So I think I might leave it there because I think it's a really beautiful song, very haunting song. I mean, it's really up there with one of his greatest songs. Wow. Um, Captain, what do you think about Moonbeam Levels? Okay, I'll go next. First of all, let me say... I am happy to see this as a 2019 <laughs> remaster. I knew this was uh, going this direction. <laughs> <laughs> Should I have gone to player first? Possibly. I'm I would have said the same thing. So oh, okay. the it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Split the difference, yeah. Well, let's see if what I say is exactly what you would have said. I'm mm-hmm. really hoping this is from the original master tapes and not the version <laughs> we got back on the forever release, which many people were not happy with the quality of. It took a while, but it seems like the estate have finally realized we're not dummies who'll just eat anything up that they serve. So this can only be a step in the right direction. They, I see this as the correction of that mistake. I wouldn't go mm. as far as to say it's an admission of a mistake, but it's a correction, and that's a good thing, I think, for us. No, you know what You know what I think it is? I think the Forever release came out the same year as Prince's Passing, so it was cobbled together very quite quickly. So 
I guess they had to work with what they found. And then since that release, they've obviously mm. gone through the vaults. They found it through the cataloging. And then it's like, okay, well, this needs to fit somebody somewhere on a album release. Let's put it on here. And this is, you know, I think they've just, it's a matter of them finding what they couldn't find, you know, straight away. So I don't no, even know yeah. if it's a mistake. It's just like, well, okay, we found it now. So I don't think that minor difference in sound quality would make it worth re-releasing though i really don't see a well no i think it needs to be on here i mean in the quality yeah but think of it it this way like the 1999 album has been released and this is a 1999 so it's like and the b-sides were all released so this fits the package like it has to be here even if it was just the exact same uh mix well it's good it is a different one okay the song i won't go as far as toe jam it's not um it's not electric intercourse this it's a very good song. I don't think it's a great song. It's better song. than Electric Chronicle. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. I wouldn't go as far as to say great, but I'd probably agree with most people that say up until this release was one of his greatest unreleased tracks. It's very good. A Better Place to Die, as Toe Jam said. People knew it as that for, you know, 30 plus years. Kick drum in the intro, Crystal Ball reminds me of, yeah. as you already said. I've got to say the annoying thing about this song, and I cannot be the only one who this just drives me insane. The one thing I really don't like in that song, this song, is that sound during the choruses. It's way too loud, and it's just that... It just keeps going. When I hear this track, that's literally all I can hear. It's just super, super distracting. But the even worse thing about about the whole thing is it's just so slightly not perfectly in sync and it annoys the hell out of me and you can even hear when it gets readjusted because it gets very slightly gets further and further out of sync and then all of a sudden bang it's back in sync again because he's like reset it and it's oh my god it drives me mental on what is one of his great songs to have something like that just it drives me insane and every time it goes around i mean not to mention it's just a super annoying sound to start with it's the original laser beams <laughs> it bloody is. Oh my god. It's very, very annoying and it's I hope I haven't ruined the song for people who now that's all they're gonna hear, but it's already ruined for me, so it's ruined for you now as well. I'm done. Um It's the moonbeam level sound. It's the sound of the moonbeam levels. Yeah, exactly. What the hell is a moonbeam level anyway, by the way? <laughs> he's a he's a carpenter. It's a tricky thing. Um I like the little background vocal bit where he says it's never too late. That's a cool little bit. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it because, again, that sound just puts me off this song. I mean, (laughs) it's a good song. It's crazy that it was considered for inclusion on so many albums, like all the way up to like 1988 at some point. Like it was pulled out. This one maybe? Nah, back in the vault. This also could have fit very nicely on Around the World in a Day, I think. It's got some of those airy kind of... Since it was literally, well. yeah, yeah, it was considered for like almost, I think, every album up to until maybe Bat- before Batman. But you know, and then it seems like he finally gave up. He's like, no, nah, if it hasn't gone on the last like six albums, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so, back in the vault with you. It's nice on this version, we get the final, you know, 17 seconds of little piano and guitar noodling at the end. Even though for me, it doesn't really add anything to the song, but I do like to have it as complete as it should be. So that's why it's good. The lyrics are pretty good. I'm not that into lyrics, but it's got some good lyrics. 
The melody's pretty good. Nice little piano melody. I think all this song is missing. I've said this about a few songs. All it's missing is a big guitar solo at the end to blow your head off. That would, a big you know, Planet Earth guitar solo. Yeah, that could almost, yeah, well, it's, it's very similar. It mm. could, you know, that could almost save the psh, 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 all through the chorus. I could almost get past that if it had like a massive guitar solo at the end. But that's all I got to say. It's, it's, a, it's good to have a proper version of this finally. So, yay. Just on that Planet Earth thing, it just struck me then, like, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, Prince is, what, 22 or so when he's recording this song? 23. 24, 24 around there somewhere, you know. And, you know, it's young, it's an optimistic kind of guy, and he's, and he's talking about people living on other planets and this kind of thing. And then you think, you fast forward 20 years to Planet Earth. Planet Earth. And he's talking about Planet Earth. You know, it's kind we, of interesting. We stuffed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, this is our home. It's kind of interesting. There's no more optimism. No, it's yeah, Earth. The optimism screwed it up now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to chime in here for a second because otherwise I'll forget. Both Tojem and Captain have made comments that triggered something in me. I'll start with Captain and that... So I think Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> if memory serves you me correctly. You don't have to go any further. <laughs> yep, I, I continue. I think that, that may have something to do with some of the sound effects used in this film. I can't hear Chewbacca, but he might be there deep in the mix. <laughs> who knows? Um <laughs> Who, who really knows? That's ridiculous. Oh, God. As long as he's got his medal in the end, that's all that matters. That's right. He did in the last one, if you saw it. Yeah, I know. I saw it, yeah. Oh, gosh. Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler alert. We've ruined that. (laughs) We've ruined people's experience. Okay, so there's that. But there's also... Oh, there's so much with this song. So Susan Rogers said that this was one of, in her words and in her view, one of her not only favorite tracks, but as the liner notes say, probably as honest a lyric as he has ever written. And... It does come across that way, doesn't it? Like it's so, it sounds so profoundly personal to him. And then you combine that with, I think Captain made the comment that this was considered for pretty much every one of his classic 80s albums, but never was placed on any of them and really never released until, um, you know, it was released posthumously. There's a theory going around that he kept many of his most personal songs to himself I don't know that I subscribe to that theory because you've got so many examples to the contrary. And I'm thinking probably sometimes it snows in April as the most obvious example. So I guess we'll never know why this never appeared on an album. But the song itself, okay, musically, um, yeah, you guys have covered a lot, so I won't add too much. But what I do have here is that it begins like, again, <laughs> Star Wars spaceship reference. Um, it begins like a, there's a spaceship sound, spaceship-ish sound right at the beginning. So it's clearly about a, 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 you know, an outer world sort of environment that he's singing about. He's not just referring to the life on Earth, but also life on other planets, which becomes apparent um, throughout the track. But, okay, that's the, the theme. The themes are very personal and the lyrics are, it's, it's weird. These lyrics are very, very weird because on one hand, he talks about 
and I actually believe he is singing about himself in this song. That's the other thing I should have prefaced it by. So when he sings lines like, maybe he wants affection instead of a plastic life. Maybe he doesn't know what he wants at all. And then you combine that with Susan saying, you know, this is a song that was about him crying out about his pain and the fact that he kept his pain private all his life and all this sort of stuff. Uh, that's one angle. But then the flip side is he's there's a hopeful element. He's kind of hoping that maybe everything is going to be all right and, you know, come judgment day, you know, everything. And then there's that, there's that line about looking for a better place to die, which is very, very strange because he says he's looking for a better place to die, which presumes he's not talking about planet Earth, back to Tojam's earlier comment. But at the same time, the way he sings that line, almost he almost sings it effusively like, like it's not a negative, like, I'm looking for a better place to die with a fist pump, you know? It's not quite like that, but it's certainly not dreary. So you've got these positive and negative themes, light and shade, all throughout this track. Which is interesting. I totally, I totally agree with you there on the way he sings that line, but then later he's like got that, you know, he don't want to, he don't really want to die. He don't want to. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. It's, yes. It's, it's deep, this song. It's deep. And, and you know, what you, what you just said also leads me to my next point, which is I think this song is one of inner conflict. Prince is describing the inner conflict of kind of not wanting to be here, but kind of wanting to hang around for the party. And I think that is present throughout. It's easy to say now, or it's, I should say, it's easier to say now when we're in the situation that we're in, when we are analyzing work retrospectively and you're trying to make connections. And some sometimes, you know, when you go back with hindsight, some of them exist, some of them don't exist, right? But I reckon there is in this song a lot that there's this core, which is him playing with do I really want to be here or not? And that is a really deep, it can be dreary if you look at it and depressing if you look at it. But I like to think of it as he he has the inner strength to, to see it through. And I think this mm. song probably reflects that, that he focuses on basically making it, you know, because every day can be a challenge, that sort of stuff. So this, is, this can be, if you really think about it, this can be a super, super, super deep track. And I think at its heart it is. But musically, what does he do? He does, in a sense, what he does with In a Large Room with No Light as a comparison. He takes a really pretty heavy type of track lyrically and he does enough things to it, including the <laughs> Star Wars laser beam sh- shots and and a few musical elements that kind of give you an element of, oh, no, this is just a piece of music. I shouldn't take it too seriously. It's super, super, super interesting. Another thing about this track is that I never liked it when, again, on the, what, what did you guys call it? What? The collector's market? <laughs> when it was on the collector's market, I, while I was wearing my- Some people my call gum, it the collector's market. My gum boots, <laughs> walking through the collector's market. Um, <laughs> and I, I never really was drawn to this song. I actually thought it was too depressing and didn't go anywhere. Meanwhile, Toe Jam's given us a, an exemplary musical education about how this song goes more places than probably any other in Prince's canon. It's just insane that I really slept on this for so, so long. I think part of it was the, yes, the, the collector's market version wasn't the, gr- the greatest, clearest quality. And here you can hear so much more. So there's all this sort of stuff. Basically, Prince is dreaming of a better world, right? A utopia, but he's he is on this planet and he's looking for a better place to die. Man, what else can you say? There are two more things before we move on to player. One of them is that lyric. I 
can't remember who stole this line. I think it was Toe Jam um, or took it from my notes. The, the part about, uh, well, the, the actual part is 153 to 2 minutes 10, that weird change that Toe Jam talked about where it kind of detracts from the story. And for me, it detracts from the mood. His singing isn't particularly strong, you know, a newborn child, nothing of destruction. It, it kind of becomes a bit too sing sing-along-ish. And I, I almost feel like he does that to not be it adds a, a bit of lightness at least in the mel melodically there's there's a there's an air of lightness otherwise it would have been too dark and the second thing is you know the lyrics about wanting to write a novel i wonder whether this might have been around the time that he was already writing his first draft mm. of dreams he started would, writing dreams yeah yeah which would then become purple rain and he's maybe maybe this is a guess on my part possibly writing that or writing some version of that novel that would end up being a feature film, uh, crazily enough. Holy moly, Purple Rain could have been set on one of the rings of Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, where do you rank this song? Certainly the sound quality is much better than what we've had before. Perfect. Uh, do you think it's now, much better, though, than the Forever version? Oh, not the Forever version, but better. the... Um, Sunday the collector's market version. Vegetable market. <laughs> fresh fruit and vegetable market. <laughs> the vegetable market. <laughs> the farmer's market. The farmer's market version. Yeah, this is this is something I've really warmed to, but it, it is an uneasy listen that kind of can send a shiver up your spine if you allow it to. Yeah. There's very similar themes on this to, in the Artificial Age album. You know, all of those segues where he's, you know, talking about um, feeling feeling out of place and all this kind of thing. Like, it's, it's kind of a theme that pops up in his music all the time, so... There you go. All like right. He feels uh, like he feels like he's an other, you know. Actually, uh, yeah, like almost like is, an alien, right? Yeah. Which which when you're as talented as he and, you know, potentially maybe slightly socially awkward as he, you could have that sense about yourself, you know, like I don't really belong here kind of thing. Hmm. Craziness. Player, what do you think about this track? Basically everyone's taken my notes, but I'll just reiterate everything <laughs> everyone else said. So here we go. Okay, the first thing that's sent out to me is the title. Moonbeam Levels 2019 Remaster. That to me pretty much insinuates that the cassette copy was used on forever, but now all of a sudden they've located the original master tape as we talked about whilst cataloging. And here it is. So, And that's even more evident with that extra audio at the end. So I think the mm -hmm. cassette version is sort of cut off and now they've found their tape and you get that little, I don't know, what, 10 seconds at the end? 17. 17 magical seconds. There you go. <laughs> Um, I do notice a bit of an oral difference between the two versions. It's certain way instruments appear on the stereo spectrum, yeah. so it is it is different. Uh, this has been circulating for eons on the collector's market under the <laughs> name Moonbeam Levels and sometimes a better place to die. It's great to finally get a high-quality version of this track, even with more audio. It's 17 seconds. Thank you. Uh, I agree with Toe Jam. If I was making my own version of 99, I'd have to say I'd replace Free on the album. Nothing against free as a standalone song. It's great, but thematically and overall vibe of the track, this fits much much better. The apocalyptic themes that he loved talking about around this time appear here. Ah, oh, man, some great lyrics. There's heaps of them, and basically the whole track. Um, and it's funny, like the the, the first the first verse. Uh, yesterday I tried to write a novel, but I didn't know where to begin, so I laid down the grass, feeling the world turn. So like he's writing that first line. He's writing it from you know, first perspective from himself. And then every line after that, he's within the story. So, yeah, it's kind of 
weird yeah. because it's sort of like he talks about, uh, I'm going to start a story and then you bought into the story. So, and then, yeah, it's kind of like, are you writing this as the character or is this some of your own afflictions are coming out in this character? So, it's very interesting. Maybe he would like a nice condo overlooking the rings of Saturn. I mean, come on, man. These lyrics, yeah. man. Um, <laughs> maybe he wants affection instead of a plastic life. Maybe he doesn't know what he wants at all. So, like, yeah, again, is it him that's saying this about himself or is he projecting this into his character that he's writing this story? So, the the child reference in the bridge with the sexuality, you know, child's bad from the beginning. They only imitate the atmosphere. There's very similar vibe in that lyric. Uh, I agree with Tojem. He, you know, he said he'll never keep diaries to learn from his mistakes. Instead, he'll repeat all the good things he's done. Just great lyrics throughout. It's amazing. Um, musically, in the background, you have the same keyboard patch from Literary Corvette. The piano in the verses follow closely chromatically with the lyrics. And then when it plays in the chorus, the, the piano in the chorus, it's very remis- reminiscent of the beautiful ones, the way that mm. plays. So oh, yes. A bit of a precursor to that. The descending guitars are nice in that chorus as well because it has this sort of apocalyptic space theme with the moon and the Saturn references and all that. And those guitars sort of sound like, to me, like shooting comets or shooting stars. So it's got this kind of, it gives you that space feel. Yeah, the, you know, that kind of thing. The last sort of six months of Prince's life, he kind of, he wore these clothes that had like these kind of moon eclipses. Oh and my God, you are blowing stuff. my mind right now. <laughs> And when I always saw that, I thought, man, the next Prince album, if Moonbeam Levels appears on it, like it would, that, that wouldn't, and that, this is pure speculation. There's no, I have no evidence that this song would appear on anything that would have been on a, you know, at that time, a future Prince album. But just, he was referencing the moon a lot in those last six months. And it just is like, you know, if you're going to put any sort of track to fit like a concept like that, this would be it. So could you imagine if you played this on the piano microphone tour? Oh my God. Yeah. Could you imagine the house just go nuts? Yeah. So I really love this track. It's another one right up there on this set. I'm glad they've included this. So it's, yeah, it's one of my favorites as well. So yeah, really cool song. Wow. That last ending bit killed me. There you go. Craziness. I mean, I know, you know, you could say speculation, but that's one darn coincidence. Wow. Okay. Let's keep the show rolling. Let's go to something a little bit more uplifting, maybe. It's track number six, and it's called No Call You. He spelt you with the letter U again, hasn't he? All right, let's get this one on the road. Um, Ooh, uh, player, what are your thoughts on this one? Okay, so this is another one of those tracks in the same vein as Delirious and Jack You Off, et cetera, et cetera, with that rockabilly style. All of these types of songs are like variations of each other, so when it comes on, it's like, oh, this is derivative of that. So, yeah, he's talking about wanting to call a girl and holding out until she calls him and... She's not doing that, so he's getting a bit lonely and crazy waiting on her to call. So it's kind of amusing. He has that lyric in there. That's right, I'm stubborn. That's my middle name. <laughs> Where he says, call your ass up on the phone. Again, referencing Irresistible Bitch. So yep. it's, you know, another one of those themes. The most interesting part of this musically is basically all the keyboard stuff that's buried in the mix. Like at 105 to 115, there's this 10 second little piano solo to again what Captain was saying on Fill You Up. It's a solo, turn it up in the mix. Like, you know, mm. Prince's vocal and drums will mix way high in this. And all the interesting stuff is kind of 
all the little keyboard noodling, it's kind of distant until about 2.33 when the break comes and then you can start mm. hearing it. Um, that break is so funky. Everything is like a puzzle piece that fits perfectly with each other during that section. All the instruments sort of inter- interconnect with each other. It sounds great. Now, this track runs at 4 minutes 29 seconds. At 4 minutes 28, so one second before the song finishes, you, you can hear Prince say something, but it quickly cuts off and the song ends. So I wonder what he was said or what that was. But I don't know. He, if you listen to that last second of the song, it just cuts off and it's like, okay. He said, he says, I love Donald Trump. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I think this would have been an awesome B-side or something. But it's it's very derivative of a lot of songs he was doing at that time. So maybe he was thinking, <laughs> you know, I've got a lot of songs out that has this similar kind of vibe. So I guess, you know, you pick the, the most sort of the strongest one out of the pack. So delirious one. So. Player, you made me chuckle because when you said this, should, this could be a B-side to something, what about a three-side or a B-side to a B-side to how come you don't call me anymore? And then he's got this on the there flip. There you go. <laughs> Well, yeah, there you go. Thematically, that yeah. works, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Oh, okay. All right. Um, toe Jam. Uh, yeah, this is a fun little song. Again, first heard on the jewel box for me. Um, hmm. And again, incorrectly titled as You Call Me, although the song's called No Call You. Uh, another <laughs> early 80s rockabilly. No, don't call us. We'll call you. All right. So just like player said, it's another early 80s rockabilly alongside Delirious, Horny Toe, Jack You Off, Turn It Up, etc., etc. Relentless bassline. Pretty cool stuff. Call and response between the verse and the backing, you know. Very Elvis, that kind of thing. Yeah, it is, um, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, 50s R&B. Uh, that, just that stuff. Uh, I mean, I think this was written for Vanity, perhaps, because he has lyrics like... Um, Everybody say you got a different girl every night, and he's and then later on he's like, "Boy, I'm I'm going, boy, I'm going crazy," which makes me think it's it's written from the perspective of a female. So I don't know. Washy washy synths all the way through uh, reminds me of Love and Sex from the Purple Rain Deluxe outtakes disc. Just heaps of washy stuff, poly synths and all those things he was using Minneapolis sound. In verse three, he's got this lyric. Uh, it's like sung just on its own yeah he sings the verse just with one vocal and then the last line of it is like doubled with all these other vocals where he says put your arms around me um tell me i'm the only one and that one if you listen carefully there's this like little deadpan vocal doubling it that sounds really bored uh, which is interesting (laughs) uh it's one of these phone call songs and he had a lot and a lot of phone call songs throughout his career especially in this era how come you don't call me anymore if a girl answers, don't hang up. 17 days where it's like, you didn't answer your phone. Call your ass up on the phone. And this one, you know, again, from Irresistible Bitch. Uh, there's also Neon Telephone. Um, I'm yep. sure there's a song on Artificial Age as well that has a telephone thing going on it. Uh, so it's just one of those things that Prince would talk about. Songs about communicating with girls on the phone and all the controversy and drama that comes out of that. Uh, there's a little bendy kind of synth that happens on beat three towards the end. Meow. Um, same kind of sound that he used on <laughs> Let's Pretend We're Married. And I think I remember when we reviewed that, I made that same sound. Meow. <laughs> Just pops up. That was Captain's cat in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I just, I just, um, I love the way at the end it just stays on the one chord. It stops doing the blues progression. It's like, nah, now I'm just grooving out on the one chord. And you get that big synth sustained minor third over it. And then the bass is just going, and then the toms are going all crazy at that point. So that's really fun. Uh, but I mean, it's not spectacular. I mean, Prince did a million songs like this. And um, I don't, 
I can't say that this one is necessarily uh, better than any of the others. Um, so I think I can kind of see why it didn't get released at the time. But it is a fun song when it comes on. It's 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 a good one. That's it. Okay. Before we go to Captain, again, Toe Jam, you did it again. <laughs> you said something that I, I need to address before I forget it. You said the word Elvis. So for me, this is a really fun track, which you also said. But to me, this is like, okay, everyone's talking rockabilly, blah, blah, blah. Prince singing in his... Uh, regular register, I guess, or mid-range, whatever you want to refer to it as. So this is great. This is a great fun track. But this track has got attitude. It has got, like, I can imagine him recording this wearing those dark shades and leather jacket from the Detroit 86 show um, or even from Kiss, you know, like really, really laying it on thick for that rockabilly vibe. But you said Elvis, man, he puts his foot in the ass of Elvis Presley during this track. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. That is that is <laughs> now, so watch out now. Exactly. <laughs> like he he takes this one back. And what I mean by that is he's like, no no no, you think that's rock and roll. I'm gonna like I'm gonna put synths in it. I'm gonna take almost like a kind of strange version of a B-52s kind of vibe, and I'm gonna throw that in the mix. I'm gonna put my my voice high, which is in this mix in this mix it's put up high as well. So this is just fun, fun, fun all the way. It's a new way of Minneapolis, uh, purple rock and roll, I guess. This is good enough to have been on the album, I think. Yep. If you're going to put stuff like Let's Pretend We're Married on there and other tracks, Delirious, this is definitely good enough for me. I wonder why it wasn't. But then again, to Toe Jam's earlier point, maybe this was written for Vanity with the, uh, the, reference, uh, the line that references a boy. And then also... Based on the liner notes, you know, Jill Jones is, she's on the background vocals here, but she also recorded a track, a version of this track for her solo album, um, but that obviously never went on there. So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could chop this up. But in this one that we're listening to, Prince is very much the person um, doing the singing. And so I think if you read the lyrics, this is almost like what a player would, well, Sorry, sorry. What an actual player would do. <laughs> um, Are you saying player's he, not an actual player? He'd, he'd, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I think player should take a stand. <laughs> an answer for himself. But what I'm saying is a player would do, okay, a pimp. Let me say that way. He'd wait what? for this chick to call him. He would, he would wait for the chick to call him. He'd be like, okay. Waiting for the for the for my woman to, to ring me on the phone, on the line now. Have I just uh, alienated all of our female listeners? Alienated all our pimp listeners. Jeez, <laughs> you've alienated are... me, and I'm the friggin' player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're oh, all goodness. smacking their computers with their cane as we speak. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and twirling their moustache. Um, okay, this is turning into a very interesting show. Very clever lyrics here, Prince's having fun but he's like his wordplay here is very clever and uh it comes off i think better than some of the songs that toje mentioned like horny toad i mean they're all fun but i don't know this one's this one's a bit of a favorite on this set for me so yeah one last note after hearing this version i could definitely hear morris day singing on this rather than vanity and doing a bit of a time version but um 
The liner notes don't refer to that. Yeah, so, with if that was the case, I mean, the girl has no excuse. If Morris saying it, the girl <laughs> would have no excuse not to know his phone number because it's seven 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 ninety three eleven. Exactly. Come on, girl. Oh, the bloody God. phone number's on the album. It's always busy. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, what time is it? It's time for Captain. Give us your thoughts. I like it a lot. This is one of my favourites. I love this rockabilly style, and it's even better when Prince is doing it in the early 80s. Uh, Once again, this was on my first boot collection, so I've been listening to this for a very long time. And compared to the version that was previously out, this is about a minute and a half longer than that version, which was only about, I think, three minutes. So this was a great surprise, and the weird thing is, the previously circulating version, strangely, was missing the first minute and a half. Usually you're missing the end of a track, so that was just weird. Amongst a couple of others, which we've already talked about, this is one of my favorite tracks out of all these vault tracks on the whole thing. Wow. No Call You, Turn It Up, they're just insane. They are great. The song itself, I love how it just starts out of nowhere, just bang, and then off you go. It's just crazy. His vocal performance is great. He's pushing it pretty hard in places, and it sounds freaking amazing. And I think Toe Jam said, or this line, I love this line, where he says, you got to put your arms around me, tell me I'm the only one. Just the way that sounds, it's just bloody perfect. And um, I think Player said this one near the end of this track. He says, straight off another track or this release, I'm going to call your ass up on the phone. I guess that was a popular phrase at the time. I don't know. Or was it just Prince saying that? I don't know. But it was there. Okay, here's here's some times for you. Lovely timing, people. I love the (laughs) little synth breakdown. 105 to 115. Uh, 23 seconds. It's, yeah, it's not... It's very buried. It's buried, but it's there. Uh, It is, yeah. It's great, though. 23 seconds and 53 seconds, he does this little vocal slide into the chorus. It is so good. It is great. I think Toe Jam said this as well. Everyone said everything. 3.30, you get that one long synth note, which you just loved doing back then, and that pretty much runs till the end of the track. 1.39, it's very quick. He just plays like three or four chords, like super quick, and it's just really cool. Again, not that easy to hear. It's sort of buried, um, but it's there. 233 is a cool little synth breakdown. Now, the one annoying thing, as much as I love this song, you might recall from just minutes ago, the most annoying thing in Moonbeam Levels is also in this song. <laughs> but it is way less prominent and i barely notice it because this track is just so good (laughs) but it's just like a lot quieter in the mix like in moonbeam levels it is just so loud and it's right there in your face and here it's like it's just in the background it's like ah yeah i can live with it um but uh, yeah this song is great that's all i've got to say one of my favorites on this whole set bang wow bang big call bang boom uh just quickly before we go to the next track i forgot two timings from my notes that i completely overlooked so you mentioned 232 i think player also mentioned 232 and i'll be the third person breakdown (laughs) to mention 232 (laughs) till 252 that's about 20 seconds of that breakdown so bloody cool but the one that i um the other one that i wanted to mention and this is probably my favorite part of the entire track is a 10 second bit of keyboard wizardry and noodling from 2 minutes 12 seconds to 2 minutes 22 seconds. There's a whole lot of almost reminiscent of some of the strange but true stuff that would come out on rave. Um, Not quite at that level, but similar. 
So um, I'm surprised Toe Jam missed it. <gasps> but there's this. <laughs> what, what timing? 212 to 222. I got to right now. When I was listening to like the version with much less vocal in it, there was there was like an actual little keyboard solo that might be the one. I didn't write the time down. Oh, maybe. 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 It's but cool. It's, it's, it's buried. It's interesting. Huh? It's buried in there. Yeah. A lot of the stuff is buried for sure. Um, here's that very special number, track number seven. Ooh. This is a song called Can't Stop This Feeling I Got. And it was released on the Graffiti Bridge album in a very, very different form, I should say. I think that's fair enough. But here, we are hearing the original, well, we're hearing an early version. How's that? Of this yeah. track, Take It Away, Who Wants It? Who's feeling it? <laughs> Me. <laughs> oop, 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 oop. Well, okay, Captain. I'll go. This sounds great. The first thing that hits me is just the room sound of these drums. I just love the sound uh, of these drums on this track. They just sound great. Uh, like you can hear the room, which I love on this, because you know it was just Prince sitting in a room recording these drums. It just sounds good. I like that was little. He in like his garage or something. Yeah, who knows? It sounds great to me. Because <laughs> you can Hi- hear Iowa Trail Home Studio. Allegedly. You can hear everything that he does on those drums. It's just yeah. it's really good. And if for someone who likes listening to Prince play the drums, this is a great track. Because you can yeah, hear all yeah. the stuff he does, like the big feels that he does, and then he gets on the ride in certain parts, and it's like you can hear it all. It's it, who, setting up the mics for this. He did a bloody good job. I'll give him that. Or Don whoever, Bats, whoever did it, Mister Don, Don Bats. There Don you go. Bats. Thank you, Don. His Don is good. Now I like <laughs> <laughs> another very Australian reference. I like the little stabby organ straight out of Ronnie Talk to Russia and some other track which we've already talked about. I think I, it's just great. And the more I listen to this track, the drums are probably the highlight for me. It's just it's just Prince going off, and it sounds like just one take straight through. It's you know the song's already already in his head. He's just getting it out. It's great. Okay, that at two oh five, I'm I'm not going through all the times this stuff, but you still got the <laughs> you still got the big Prince scream, and that went through every version of this all the way through to Graffiti Bridge. You get the yeah, big yeah. scream at two oh five. It's just such a Prince yeah. thing, and the descending bass, which is a lot more obvious in the release version on Graffiti Bridge. It's not as obvious here, but it's still there. And when I was listening to this for this review, I didn't listen to any other versions. And I haven't heard the 86 version or the release Graffiti Bridge version for you know, at least a few years. So I did that on purpose. I didn't want to be comparing them, but I've still got some comparisons just from my memory anyway. <laughs> and I said this about New Power Generation, Bold Generation. Sure, that's what it's called. It still blows my mind that... <laughs> <laughs> These tracks were not released until 1990, recorded in 1982. That still is just crazy stuff. But I do like this version. I think I still prefer the release version. Same with New Power Generation. Even though it's pretty much the same, it's just the release version on Graffiti Bridge. It's more evolved. There's more to it. It's got more bells yes. and whistles. This is pretty basic, but you can tell like the whole song is there. It's all in his head. Yeah. It's And I'm very happy to have this early version just go and listen to the drums. Go and listen to this song and just listen to Prince sit in that room and play the drums by himself. It is cool. The end. <laughs> Captain, the crazy thing about what you just said is it's not just Prince playing the drums. He's doing everything in everything. home studio, right? Yep. Insane. So I think this song is bass, drums, keys. No, does it have keys? Yeah, of course it has keys. Stabby, stabby keyboard. Vocals, obviously, background and leads, I think, 
all were done by him. So this is this is basically a one man band, an OMB. And where's he uh, from? Perform Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> insane, absolutely insane. Um, who's next player? Mm. I'm not sure how to tackle this one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like this and I'm glad this appears on this set. So thank you for its inclusion. But for me, after this, you have the multiple 86 versions with Eric Leeds. Then you have the version that Prince settled on. Yeah, that opened up Graffiti what? Bridge soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which I think is the definitive version as it's just a bit more driving and sonically more interesting. And it goes a few more places musically, like Captain said. But this version is very bare bones, basic run through of the track. It's very B-52s in its execution with those keyboard <sighs> stabs. Running Talk to Russia, as Captain said. The the what? Are, hang on, hang on. What are all these B fifty two references? MC's always gone on about B fifty twos. Now you're saying B fifty twos. Maybe I don't listen to enough B fifty twos. Go listen to Rock Lobster. I know that song. Yeah, I it's know. all there. Oh, I don't know. It's just I, <laughs> okay. I've never made a connection between the B fifty twos and Prince. It just doesn't work in my brain. Like I know well, Rock this Lobster. This is why you're this is why you're on the Pigeon Black podcast. Oh. I guess it's like the B fifty twos that. Yes, they're pop, but they have a little bit of punk in them, just a little bit, a little tinge of punk. Mm. And I think that's what and it is. And a new wave, right? And a new wave-ish yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Okay, I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to agree with, with Captain, the drumming style and the pocket Prince has is really interesting to listen to. And the way he opens and closes that hi-hat, it just gives it yeah. some more groove and the guitar's really crunchy. But overall, my preference is for the iterations that come after this version. So it's not that it's bad at all. It's far from it. But I just prefer the versions that came after it way better. So, yeah, it's great. This is an interesting track in the sense... That, yeah, you, so what you guys just said, so many different versions. Now we're hearing an early, uh, the earliest or one of the earliest versions of this. And it's a one-man band performance and all this sort of stuff. The thing that I find most intriguing about this track, not necessarily this version, but just this song, as I was listening to it over and over and over again, the connection I made was to the band The Who, and in particular, Pete Townsend, who, who, oh my goodness, I did it again, um, pardon the pun, who wrote a song called Can't Explain in the early to mid-60s. And musically... There is no similarity between them at all. But the similarity for me comes with what the song's about. So the Who's song, Can't Explain, is a song that's written about the visceral feeling and emotion that you get when you want to write music, play music. You just love the sound of music. And this is, to me anyway, Prince's version of that. He's basically singing about music. There are other songs in his discography where he does this, but it's relatively rare. And he's bursting at the seams on this one. Like, he just can't get it out. And the fact that this is a one-man band performance at his home studio in the early 80s makes it all the more so intriguing. And so it's almost like this is a mantra for his life. Whether he's asleep or whether he's awake, he has to record. So looking back on it now, I feel like this is... You know, the early 80s, he was particularly prolific. And this song is almost like a, a metaphor for what he was doing at the time. I guess having said that, the music itself, yes, the B-52s come up again. Yes, Captain Shudders in his seat. <laughs> but player mentioned it and I agree with it because um, it's just there. And I think it's the synths. It's the... So that's there. See, um, that just I reminds me of Ronnie Talk to Russia. 
<laughs> which, which it does, of and course. And that's it. But then I, I think with our Ronnie Took to Russia review, I have to go back and listen to it. We, we may we may mention the B-52s. You probably did. Uh, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so this is another rockabilly new avish ditty. Yes, nice energy. I actually think, as much as I agree with you, Captain, that the, it's great to sound, it's great to hear the sound that Prince is getting out of his kit, his drum kit. I don't think the drums are recorded full enough. Like, I wish I got more of them. Like, you hear too much of the thinness of the room or whatever chamber or, I, I don't know, I just, I like the real drums. I just want them thicker. In saying that, the synths as well, they're like those, they're just, they're a bit too tinny sounding. I'd like a thicker media synth. Like, um, when you hear drums <laughs> on a track. That's what she said. When you, when you hear perfectly recorded drums on a track, you're like, oh, wow, you could, that sounds great. But that's not actually what drums sound like. That is true. This sound is a lot more like you're standing in that room. Yeah. And that's what yeah, I exactly. like. Yeah. That's it's like tough. I was saying, he's just in this room by himself recording these, playing the drums. You could literally be standing in that room and you're like, this is what it sounds like. That's, I think mm. that's why I like it so when much. When doves cry. It's more, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's like more personal or some. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just, I like it's the room it's more sound. organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not old. It's realer. It's more it's, real. It's a yeah. realer. <laughs> the realist. You feel me? I do much prefer the 9090 version, though. I do think the Graffiti mm. Bridge version is the definitive version of this track, for sure. Uh, I like the fact that he changed that running up and down my leg lyric. He got rid of that. Mm. I mean, that suits the song more better. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a funny, it's a funny line. But that, um, what does he change it to? I love it's more better line. when it's wet. We'll the, <laughs> <laughs> the rock lobster yeah. running, running up and down his leg. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Toe Jam, please salvage this review. Um, I pretty much agree with everyone. I think this is really fun. It's rocking. It's punk. It's really princely punk. Um, I challenge anyone to find a funkier bass line in a major key with a major seven. Uh, I mean, it sounds pretty kind of dorky with that sound, but um, that baseline. <laughs> change, change it, change it, change it. <laughs> Let me change it and do it again. Take the MIDI <laughs> setting off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a bit of a uh, headhunter's one. I mean, it's been so simple, but like the way it's executed, just chugging on that bass guitar. Ding, 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 ding. I challenge anyone to find a funkier bass line in that particular key with the major seven. Most funky bass lines have a flat seven, you know. This one has the major seven. Yeah. And, just, and this section yeah. of the episode will forever be referred to as the Toe Jam Wakes Up Herbie segment. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up Jeff. But <laughs> Wake up Greg. Okay. Uh, I mean, so there's some differences where he does the... Like it's a different rhythm to the way it's done on Graffiti mm. Bridge and the other um, 86 outtakes. Uh, I love the clean guitar on this as well. Uh, dun, dun, just chugging along. It kind of reminds me of Elephants and Flowers. I was just about to say that. Uses. Just the sound yeah. of that guitar. And when yeah. I heard that, I thought it just made me think, wait a minute. If you know a new power generation can't stop your feeling if that's from that era, and I'm hearing elephants and flowers in this song, it starts making me think: Is elephants and flowers also from 1982? I guess we'll never know. Um, Could be. When did the elephant the man come out? <laughs> <laughs> a, lo- a lot earlier. <laughs> 1980, I think. Right. Yeah, There's anyway. a few different elephant man movies, aren't there? I only know the one with Cher. So that was like late 80s, wasn't that's it? That's Mask. You're thinking wasn't of that Mask? mask? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. It was the Elephant Man, though. It was still oh him. My God. Merrick. John Merrick. Isn't that him? 
<laughs> yeah, so I hear that elephants and flowers in there, um, just with the, the chord voicing he's using, and I think it's like a, there's a bit of a two in the chord going on in that A major two chord kind of thing. I, what I love about the drums actually is that he does some unexpected things. Like he just every now and then he'll drop a kick drum or he'll take out a snare or he'll put in another one and on a different beat that's sort of where it's not there. It just adds a lot of variety to it, a lot of excitement um, to the drums. Like it doesn't just keep the beat the whole way through. It kind of chops and changes now and then. Um, and the drums are kind of recorded. I've written deep fried crispy. They're very, very <laughs> trebly. Yeah. And it sounds like it's kind of recorded in a concrete room, which kind of like it gives it that punk feel, I guess. Um, so I'm not going to get into debate about, you know, what sounds better, this or, you know, more studio confined kind of sound. They both have their own um, flavor, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just mind-blowing to think that this and New Power Generation, Bold Generation, all the way back, no one knew, you know. He was recording these things from 86. We all knew he was starting it on Graffiti Bridge in 86, but who knew about this one? Like, uh, maybe you guys did. I, but I, if I did, I'd completely forgotten that this was from this era. And when I when I saw the title, I thought, okay, it's Can't Stop a Feeling I Got. Is the, I just assumed it was going to be the 86 version, like an earlier version of the 86 version. But no, it's like a completely different you know, even more proto-earlier version. Um, so it's cool to hear these, you know, you've got basically three recordings of the song. This one, the still unreleased 86 version, and which is a few a few versions of that from memory. And then they've got the, the final release one. So it's, it's really interesting hearing the way the song evolves and the way he changed it to suit the Graffiti Bridge project by putting in all that other stuff about Dude, um, angels and his father and all this kind of thing. And <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just really, really interesting. But yeah, this is this is rock, and when it comes on, it's 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 punk time. Oh, you said that word again, punk time. So because <laughs> Captain has got this aversion to the B fifty twos, I can now throw in another reference that I forgot to mention, uh-huh. which is okay. If you don't want the B fifty twos spoken about, how about the Ramones? Now I know it's not as heavy. Oh, that's that's I have no clue. There's. A- <laughs> Oh, you're kidding. Okay. Rock, rock, rock and roll high school. Never heard of it. (laughs) Like that, there's an element of that in in, with this stuff as well, right? We know he was probably a fan of The Clash around this time, but I think the Ramones seeped through and underneath some of this, some of this stuff. And then uh, Toe Jam used another word right at the end, proto. That reminded me of Jocko, homo, which is a Devo song. And the liner notes refer to this as being a Devo-esque track. So again, it's almost like Prince is just putting all this stuff in a blender, turn, turning it on to mix, and as he always does, he comes up with his purple purple music. So, okay, let's keep going. From seven, we go to eight. Track number eight, Do Yourself a Favor. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't listen to this song. Oh. What? Oh. And I was about to hand the microphone to Captain. Well, you know what? No, don't <laughs> no, do don't, it. Don't do it. <laughs> Kojem, Kojem, take the lead on this one. I will gladly take this. Okay, tell us why, why this is uh, something you like, if you do in fact like it. I love this. This is so fun. It's so much yeah. fun. Uh, all right, so again, first heard on the Jewel Box, Volume 1. At a slightly different <laughs> speed, I believe. So um, it's good to hear it in its proper key, I suppose. Supposedly written by Peppy Willie. Uh, Willie? Peppy Willie? Uh, <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. I just put those question marks there because, man, this song sounds so princely. Peppy Willie, the man who named his dog Rince after P. After, I'll say what? This <laughs> Peppy Willie, the, wow. man who named, the man who named his dog Rince after Prince. And when Prince asked why, it's because he said Prince without the P. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> That's from, like, a video interview from, like, 1980. Uh, I, I don't totally know, some 
documentary from the yeah. 80s or something where they interviewed oh, Peppy. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so this was originally recorded by 94 East in the late 70s with Prince on guitar. First <laughs> With Prince on guitar, sorry. Prince on guitar, without the P. Recorded by uh, who? 94, 94 East. East. I never would have yeah. known that name, except it's been released 4,000 times already. <laughs> <laughs> Every six months. Oh, here's another version. This version. Oh, yeah. I turned the synths up 1%. Oh, oh there's another version. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Uh, okay, so yeah, recorded originally by 94 East in the late 70s. <laughs> okay, let me start again. Recorded by 94 East in the late 70s with Prince on guitar, first released on the Minneapolis Genius LP, which came out not long after Purple Rain, I think, and many, many subsequent Peppy Willie productions. Uh, all right, this particular version was recorded in obviously 1982, and then Jesse Johnson recorded a version. Um, that he released on his Shockadelica album in 1986 with an arrangement that is virtually the same as this 1982 version. So I'm just going to put this out there. I have my doubts that this is a Peppy Willie song. I think this is a Prince song. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm just saying. Why you? Why you, Why don't you think it's a Jesse song? I don't think it's a Jesse song. I'm not saying that. No, but it's, it's not- credited to Peppy. Yeah. And yeah. Jesse Johnson. Well, I don't. I mean, Jesse Johnson certainly wasn't around for the 94 East one. So, you know, it's not credited to him uh, as a okay. songwriter. And that yeah. that pre yeah, and that predates him entering the camp. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's where so I So if uh, if I've Jesse Johnson has a writing credit to this. He does. It's in the it's in the liner notes. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me get to the song. Out of those three versions, this is definitely the definitive version. Uh, it's just so uplifting. It's such a great fuck you song. It's yeah. you know, he's left oh, yeah. the, he's he's left the person behind. And he's like, yep. my life is better anyway. And uh, if yep. you see me walking by, walk on by. It's Keep just, it's the, yep. it's the best song. Yeah, it just is. the best FU song I can think of. Uh, you got Dirty Mind, like stabbing octave synths, all this, you know. Ah, now I've lost my sound again. Yeah, you got all these sounds going on. Very Dirty Mind kind of stabby like stuff Jean-Michel happening. Sounds like Jean-Michel Jarre. Something like that. You get the idea. Just love all that stuff in the background. It really gives it this real trebly, bright kind of sound to it. Um, the chords just basically going most of the time between these two chords, B flat minor seven to E flat sus seven. And then you got that great turnaround. Dun, 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 dun. Big kind of bluesy um, showtime yeah, turnaround. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's just so happy and uplifting. Uh, I love the clean guitar, especially the way it leads into the chorus. He just like hits this ding, 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 ding. And then it goes into the chorus. But if you see me... You've got this dreamy disco ball kind of uh, background synth that pops up every now and then. Just uh, Again, it just real gives it this disco imagery for me. Yeah, so that whole first section where it's just the FU song, is it's just so good. The fact that it's like, uh, it's FU, but it's in such this happy, bright mood. It's just really cool. Um, then you get to the, the Jamie Starr voice section. Uh, Jamie Starr is obviously the voice that he was using on Tricky yep. and Chlorine Bacon Skin. Starts slipping into this, um, you know, I kick your ass. Also from <laughs> George, this kind of stuff. And uh, I mean, the big twist in this song is, you know, at the end he starts saying like, uh, you know, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then as it's fading out, he starts saying, no, wait a minute, you're not crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah, I, I don't care what I told you. You know, he starts to have that moment of, oh, shit, what have I done? I've left the girl. <laughs> and I think that's just, that's humor. It's just so good because he just spent the whole song sack slagging out this person and then just it's fading out. He's like, oh, shit, have I done the wrong thing? <laughs> uh, so that's great. Yeah, just so uplifting. 
I just love the vibe of it. I love the way when it does that turnaround, how he sings along with it. Hey, 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 hey. And then sometimes he keeps that vocal going while the rest of the song goes. Uh, it's big. Yeah, just so good. I love um I reckon this, if Prince had released this, this could have been a massive song, I think. I, don't, I think Jesse's, yeah. Jesse's Johnson is very, it's basically the same arrangement. What? But I don't know. It just, it lacks something. It lacks <laughs> something. This one just has so much shine to it. It opens with those um, big floor tom, driving floor toms, and it's very reminiscent of yeah. like, hey, Mickey, you're so fun. You're so fun. <laughs> blah, 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 yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> and once you hear that, that, that vibe, that era is just, it's just right there in your head, you know, cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll pass it on. But yeah, do yourself a favor and listen to this song. Oh, it's great. Don't listen to oh, the track. He did if, it. if Peppy Willie did write this song, Prince owned it. <laughs> and Jesse released it in 1986. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, just wondering, do I hand it over to Captain now? Yeah, to I think rebut? you should get yeah get a, in- get get me over and done with, and you can end on a positive. I'm guessing <laughs> could be <laughs> could be interesting. Well, you never know. All right, Captain, do us all a favor and tell uh, us what you think. As soon as this starts, I just think it's a continuation of the previous track because it just sounds very it similar. But then the synths come in, and then it all changes. But yeah, don't be confused. This is not a criticism of the inclusion of this track. Or of such a long track, this is a criticism of the song itself. Just a track that is just not great enough to maintain itself for <gasps> nine minutes. It, no. I mean, I mean, it's two damn chords over and over and over and over. And Prince can do a lot of things that other people can't do, but a nine-minute track on two chords, this is not one of them, <laughs> in my opinion. I, re- I think he pulls it off. I think he pulls it off. Oh, no, no. Like you're talking the, about the next two tracks for sure. If like if this comes on, I don't skip it, but I'm never gonna be sitting there one day and go, "Oh, I really need to listen to Do Yourself a Favor." That is never gonna happen until I die. Like I'll listen to it. It's a as it was put out, as it was intended. Thank you, Estate, releasing the full, not editing it. That's great, but I can still not like this song. So for me, this is one of the weakest vault tracks on this whole release. I, oh, it is way way down. Uh, this sort of reminds me of a song like Wouldn't You Love to Love Me, which was six minutes long, but again, hmm. it's just not strong enough to maintain itself for that length of time. Like, I just don't know what this song is about. All I hear is just the, <gasps> the two chords over and over. That's, that's I just get fixated on that, and I'm like, this is boring as hell. It's just the same all the way through. For a song to last almost ten minutes, you'd better have some changes, something to keep the interest, but nope. Nothing here at all. It's just plenty of changes. It breaks down. You know, he brings in those synths, and he's got this, the funny section at the end where he goes. There's into no the change. There's, there's no bridge. There's no chorus. It's just two chords, start to finish. <laughs> Tell me a different chord. Wow. Tell me a third chord that's in this song. Wow. Doesn't happen. In search of the third chord. Three minutes thirty. This could fade out, and it'd be fine. I'd be like, okay. It's a vault track. It's not great, but okay. Well, it's three minutes. I okay. think you have to look at it like I think if it was going to be released, it would probably do that. It would probably fade. Like, but if it was released back in the eighties, you'd probably have the yeah, seven-inch version, to. which would fade after three and a half minutes, and then you'd have the twelve-inch version, which would be the full thing. So uh, think of it that way. I mean, you get a synth and vocal solo. That's a cool little bit, and then five forty-five, you get this. You get the voice. The voice comes in, and it's funny. But like those last few minutes are the highlight of the track, you know, and that's nothing to do with the song itself. That's just him doing the stupid voice being funny. It's not not even part of the song, really. That could be on any track. But that's all I've got to say. This just this way, way, way down the list of vault tracks for me. I don't get anything out of it. Someone. Okay. Bring it back. <laughs> do you at least like the rhythm guitar by Rince? 
<laughs> Pay you rinse. Uh, All right. I'm going to take the baton and throw it steadfast in the direction of player. Uh, I have to save this. I love this. The music, the lyrics. Oh, man, the lyrics. All of it. This track goes for nine minutes and it's such a delight to listen to. It doesn't drag or anything for me. I think it's great. Wow. It has some hallmarks of do it all night and a bit of uptown to it. I hear that within the track. The version is like the perfect hybrid of the 94 East version and the Jesse Johnson version. I like Jesse's take on it, but the tempo is slightly tiny bit slower and it's very clean, like it's a very sanitized version as compared to this. The one that appears here is a bit more gritty and it orally sounds like the 94 East version. I really but find if- that with uh, all of that Shockadelica album. Like I, it's just too mm. clean. It's like, oh man, Jesse, it should have dirtied that thing up a bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. So here, yeah, he's, Prince has kind of crafted this more like a pop track. So maybe um, Jesse was sitting in on the sessions, you know, maybe he had some input in this at the time. You know, maybe Prince vaulted it and then Jesse was like, well, I'm going to use that <laughs> around the Shockadelica time. I mean, who knows? So it's interesting. This has some great interplay between the guitar, bass and keys. Um, that main riff, it's really cool. At 3.30, that little solo, it sounds a little bit vocoded. I really yeah. like that. <clears throat> oh, man, these lyrics. You don't even try to understand just where I was coming from. No, no, baby. Instead of understanding, you gave me your demandings and I couldn't stand it. Now it's much too late and there's no time for me to try. Not anymore. I don't feel no pain. It doesn't hurt inside and I'm doing much better on my own. Oh, man. Come on. Love it. Um, There's only one thing downside to this track for me and that's the snare, the drums, particularly the snare. The way it clips, it just sits a bit too grating on my ears. And that's the only complaint I'd have with this song. It's just like, if I turn it up, it's just like, oh man, that, that snare is just clipping too much in my ears. But otherwise, this is a perfect song. I really love this song. Really, really cool. And I, I'm glad it's on here. Let me just say, Toe Jam said this was a great fuck you song. Oh yeah, it is. Maybe I've just never been in the position where I wanted to say fuck you. So I don't, uh, what's, I what's the word? <laughs> Relate. I don't, you can't I don't, relate. Yeah, I don't relate, relate at all with the whole thing. So maybe that's why you and Tojam <laughs> love it. You've been in that situation and you're like, yeah, fuck you. But I just don't get any connection to it. So I don't get the song. Maybe I'm just... You don't listen to the lyrics just, anyway. I'm just too nice. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe not even not even the sense anyway. of fuck you, but just kind of like, you know... Well, there's that. <laughs> MC. Are you going to split the difference or what? Nah, he's going to say it's well, great. I, I think... split. The, would I be splitting it? Yeah, so you and Tojam... That's two to one at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you one thing. It's probably going to remain two to one with a, with a disqualification. <laughs> and the, the disqualification is me because I'm on the fence on this track. In oh, the, in, it's, it's very on, easy to fall off a fence, you know. On the, on the <laughs> one hand, on the one hand, this song is so bloody long that it annoys me to no end. And it takes a rare Prince song for me to say that because I'm usually like every note, every beat, everything this guy puts out generally I like and or love uh, musically. But this, I'm with Captain on the nine minute thing. I mean, now again, he probably would have edited this down for release. You know, people are making decisions on his material without his, but so there's that. But but let's just add, this is in no way any comment on the estate releasing a long track we yeah, definitely oh, want full unedited exactly. versions released but we can still not like what's released 
Well, yeah, exactly. so you don't because like it. Especially we're dissing the friggin' edits disc. Yeah. Oh, there's, oh, there's <laughs> edits true. disc, and now this That's, is too long. This is too, yeah. How do we please these fucking guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but, so I'm with you on the, it, this is way too long for two chords, and it really doesn't go anywhere. It does have a couple of kind of minor breakdowns. But I am by no means suggesting that I dislike the track because this is pretty cool. It's just that it's not compared to some of the standout tracks on this, whether it be Possessed, whether it be Purple Music, whether it be some of the other unreleased songs. This is just a tier or two below that. And so because of Prince's high standard, it just doesn't kill it for me. And it is way too long. You know, one of the reasons why I don't like it in particular is because it's from that 94 East album, which has been released and re-released six million times. And I didn't like any of those tracks the first time I listened to them. And this this made no improvement, really. See, I think when I... We had a 1% improvement, remember? When I first heard this, it was on the the Jewel Box, and I didn't know that there was a... You know, I didn't know it was from 94 East back in the 70s. So I assumed it was a Prince song. And so I've always just heard it as a Prince song. And that, that probably has mm. part of it as well. Like maybe if yeah. I knew it was from 94 East, maybe I wouldn't like it so much. So. Like I wrote that entire bunch of tracks off as soon as I heard them. I'm just like, nah. You know, and all it was was, oh, Prince played keyboard on these tracks. And everyone else in the band, you had no idea who they were. So I'm like, oh, so what? <laughs> and I didn't think much of the tracks. And I never listened to that disc again. So... Yeah, when I saw Why this you tell track, us how you feel about the 94 East album? Well, let's just say... I can't wait I don't, till we get to that. I don't think we're ever going to review that one. That's games, right. Games, <laughs> games. Um, no. Uh, games is all right. Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I just can't... I can't believe that this groove goes on for nine minutes. Uh, it's kind of flogging a dead horse by now, I know. But I think this song finishes at around the four and a half minute mark. Maybe if he pushes it to five, possibly, but... It's just way, way too much. Like Controversy album version goes for just over seven minutes, I think. And it never, ever gets old. And there's not that much change in that track either. But it's just one of the funkiest songs created ever by anyone. And so it stands alone. But this one, you know, it remained in the vault for a reason. Um, That's why I'm kind of on the fence. There's things I like about it. I just think it's too long. Now, the things I like about it, it does sound earnest. Uh, Tojam said, F you... No, well, Tojem said this is an FU track. Player agrees. I see how that makes sense. It's clearly kind of, that's what it's about. But the thing that I like about this song the most is that Prince sounds earnest. He actually delivers the line like he is saying FU, like I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. done. I'm done, yeah. right? And he doesn't have a history, I don't think. Like, it's no, not even not, so that's much. That's not true. Yeah. It's not even so much that it's he's done. It's more the It's more like that scenario when something happens in your life and you think, Oh no, this is terrible. And in six months' time, you look back and you go, "That was yeah. the best thing that uh, ever happened." Exactly. Like exactly. That's, that's the exactly. sentiment, and he just yeah. captures that sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But in saying that, he believes in what he's in that sentiment that you just described, right? So that's nice to hear because a lot of the times things are poppy and you know ballady or or rocking or funky. But this is this is one of those songs where it's like, yep, he he means what he's singing. Not to suggest that he doesn't on other times, but this one comes across nicely. It is reminiscent of Do It All Night. Player mentioned that. I also added a bit of private joy in parts as well. There's a synth solo just before the halfway mark that sounds like that thing I wrote in my notes, the thing you blow into. Now, obviously, I'm talking about a melodic. 
Melodica. <laughs> Melo- sorry. It's a vocoder. Melodia. Yeah. What's wrong with me? A melodica. It's a vocoder. vocoder. Talk box. A melod. No, a melodica. Our friend Don Dollar. <laughs> yeah. vo- it's a anyway. vocoder. Hey, talk box. Sergio Salem. Talk box, yeah. Sergio Slim. Um, is that. What, what's a talk box? Just quickly. Is that. Are we talking about. It's the, same the plastic thing? tube connect down yeah. to this little yeah. crappy little the, keyboard and off you go. Keyboard, yeah. Okay, cool. So we're talking Which about Which runs thing. through the pedals. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's around the 330 to 354. Yeah. Uh, and he accompanies it. And Captain said, you know, he could do this on any song. He could, but he did it on this song. So <laughs> that's why we're talking about it. Uh, but it's known like Roger Troutman. It's very, very subtle. Yes. Very subtle. Yes, it's, it's not over, overt or it's not like any sort of zap song or anything. No. He just no. implements it very... And the only other time that I can think of that he's ever used it was um, Let It Go. He uses it at the end of that. But yeah. Okay. Bass at 546 to 610. Pretty cool bass. Like nothing earth shattering, but a nice little groove. And I like how he adds the chicken scratch it and he calls it out. And then he's like, whoever, he says something like, whoever's next, you know, put something else on it. Just mm. <laughs> pretty funny. And the key, keys synths come in. Is this where, so, is this um, where Toe Jam got his intro from? Somebody oh, yeah, call, yeah. Somebody Someone called, called the, colonel. the colonel. Yeah, that's, that's a great right. line, is it? That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I had yeah. that as the I, intro, and then you said it first, and luckily I had like three others to choose from. So. <laughs> he And he goes into that tricky character again. So I like when he does that. It's funny. The voice, he just, he's got that nail down pat. Um, this is not strong enough to appear on the regular 1999 album, but it's a pretty good outtake. Yeah. It is what it is. All right. It'd be cool to have a, but it'd be cool to make a playlist with like this and Tricky and Chlorine Bacon Skin and all those, all those <laughs> songs with that voice. A Jamie Star album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, they could use that pick for the album cover. That'd be fantastic. A star company. Yeah. <laughs> now, track number nine. Don't let him fool ya. I'm going to be quick like Jack and Willy Wonka with a candlestick or however the line goes. <laughs> oh, this, that is so wrong. This, this is definitely, I'm hoping Captain says, oh, I'm not really into this song because then I'll be able to agree with him. <laughs> this is the one where it's not even about the length. I'm like, That's what she said. there's <laughs> not, <laughs> there's just not much here. I'm happy to be proven wrong. <laughs> she That's said that she also. Said <laughs> but, but, like, there's hardly a lyric in this track. There's, All right. There's like, yeah. a, there's, like, a kind of, like, a nice groove, maybe, if you really pay attention. But <laughs> I'm, I'm even laughing as I say this next bit. If you thought that Do Yourself a Favor was too long at nine minutes, I'm going to yeah. tell you that Don't Let Him Fool You is too long at four minutes or however long it goes. Yep. This one, Absolutely. this is the one. Captain, this is the one where it's like there's a bit of a cool drum beat and a little bit of real drums, but this is way too repetitive. One of the lesser yep. songs here, like it's just average, I guess, is the thing to put it. I mean, the only thing that I would come back to is there's a 15 second breakdown from about two and a half minutes to two minutes, 45 yep. seconds. Yep. But it's not enough to be an album track for me either. So cool to have, and that's what it's on. It's on the outtakes, discs, unreleased material. You can sum that up by saying there's a reason some tracks are outtakes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'll sum it up even better. I'll take your line. This is just a song. Ooh. (laughs) 
Wow. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, who wants to go next? I I'll take it. it. Oh, 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 no. Uh, he, 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 oh. Beat you, he beat you, you by the, the same 1% that Peppy Willy increased <laughs> the mastering of <laughs> 94C. Okay, play it, go. I can't believe we're fighting over this track. I'm fighting it just to get it over <laughs> me, done with. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> this was released on streaming services just before the 1999 yes. Super Deluxe this album like dropped as a bit of a warm-up. And it's like, man, out of all the tracks, you pick this? Really? Hmm. Sonically, it sounds like the previous couple of tracks. Those drums have that pocket again. The guitar is chugging in the background. It's all doing all sorts of tasty licks. It's really nice. But every verse starts with, don't let him fool ya. And then it resolves with a line with a lyric of some sort the amount of times he says don't let him fool you i mm. think it, it's a lot i think i counted 41 if i've counted correctly <laughs> it's it's so many times i've lost count you're reading my and notes so for now. that reason alone so for that reason alone as cool as this song is by about halfway through i'm done with it it's so repetitive to me so i like it i don't love it it's an outtake take it off me toe jam <laughs> uh, i mean i i pretty much agree with the sentiment so far uh the title reminds me of larry graham's don't let them change your mind. <laughs> um, obviously, for those people who have the GCS 2000 album, will recognise that song. Mm. Um, it's very <laughs> <A> new palp. <laughs> it's uh, it's very clean. Everything is so clean. We were just talking mm. before about uh, Jesse Johnson's Shockadelica album. I mean, it's kind of like that. It's like everything's too clean, and it's just too repetitive. That lyric just goes on way too often, and then the bits he puts in between it, they're not really that interesting. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we were just talking about, you know, being able to sustain two chords for nine minutes. He does it on um, the last song on a oh, – Jesus, what's it called? Do Yourself a Favour. <laughs> he does it on Do Yourself a Favour. Can't do it on this one. I mean, this – we were talking about cheesy sitcom songs. This, to me, I'm going to go one step further. This isn't even like a cheesy sitcom song. This is like the scene in the cheesy sitcom where they go to the club and this is the kind of thing playing in the background. And Steve Urkel's like, oh, what's going on here? Urkel? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is very skippable. You can totally see why Prince didn't release this. I, I wouldn't even say it's finished. I'd say it's an idea that he just put down mm. and, you know, he thought maybe I could do more with this and just never got around to it. So don't let anyone fool you on this one. Skip this. <laughs> Oof. But it, it's nice to have a cleaner version than the one that was on the collector's market. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just to play his point, I mean, yeah, what a disappointing one to 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 use as a promo like a yeah. week or two before the release. I mean, so much other top-rate material here that could have got people excited. But they put this out. I mean, anyone who may have, who may not be as knowledgeable as, as we and most of our listeners are, any sort of casual fan might have heard this and be like, eh, I'm not going to worry about that set. It doesn't sound yeah. that interesting. You know how I view that? It's like, and the estate have done it before. They hoard all the good stuff and give you a crumb. There's your crumb. Yeah. Take your crumb, and we're gonna get. We're gonna hold on to all the good stuff in the release, and here's your crumb. Where it should be the other way around. You should put out the stronger stuff to get people interested, mm. and that's. I think that's where they yeah. stuff up in these things. It's like uh, let's just pick this little nonchalant track and just throw that out there. You know, mm. so come on, man. Uh, but and yeah, I mean, now- if you listen to all the instruments, listen to all the instruments. You know, the guitars clean and funky, the bass is clean and funky, and the keyboards clean and funky. But it's just yeah, there's <laughs> nothing there. Okay, so Toe James says there's nothing there as well. And now from the man that brought you, I can't stand track number eight. It's Captain. <laughs> yeah. It's Captain. Can you stand 
This one. Don't let him fool you. Can't stand you. Um, <laughs> well, after all you three slammed it, I really wanted to say I like it, but I just don't. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I do not. I just don't like it. Mostly because there's not much here. It's just another one of those choruses in search of a song. And it's not even a great chorus. You've got these weak falsetto vocals, weak-ass drums, these thin-sounding guitars. It's just, there's nothing there, like Toe Jam said. Like, it was, funnily, the music sounds like some mid-80s pop track, and it reminds me of, like, uh, Let's Dance by David Bowie. I don't know what it is. It might be the sound of the drums or something. <laughs> no. But there's something here that sounds like that. <laughs> I can hear that. Don't, compared this yeah. to Let's listen, Dance. Listeners, listeners really? don't let Captain fool you. This sounds nothing like Let's Dance. <laughs> it does. Toe Jam can hear it. I can hear that. Yeah, I mean, we're not, not comparing it. We're just saying that there's some sonically, there's some similar sounds yeah. happening. Sonically? And, and really? You need, you need fucking Noel Rogers <laughs> to produce this track. That's what you need to do <laughs> to make it sound as good as Let's Dance. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Let's Dance heaps is, is heaps better. I can hear what Captain's saying. I mean, I listened to this a bunch of times and I'm just trying to find one thing that I actually liked and mc already said it there's this sort of funky bit breakdown 230 to 245 and that's literally the only salvageable thing in this track and this is what player said oh i don't know how many times he says the title of this song but it is a goddamn lot it is just way too much <laughs> like he does get a bit more animated near the end with the hey hey hey's like in, hey, in hey, full yeah. voice but it's it's too but it's even too though late. there's there's a lot of hey hey's as well yeah, yeah but it's too late to save it by then like, this track could literally be half the length that it is, and it'd still get, you know, whatever weak message across that it has, whatever it is. But but no estate, that doesn't mean you can edit tracks. We still want the full tracks. No. And see, this is a very... Yeah, and Captain, I just wanted to quickly double up on the point that you just made, which is just because something isn't unanimously assessed on this show of ours or by anyone else as a masterpiece doesn't mean it doesn't deserve to come out. It has to because... Correct. That's the whole point. It's showing you the breadth of the, the guy's process. work. Yeah, the process, yeah. the behind the scenes. It, it's all super important. And it's good to have a song like this. And how often does it happen that we listen to something that maybe doesn't blow everyone's mind? And then we're like, oh, wait a second. This song came before that song and that influenced this and that and the other. So it's yeah. super critical. But It's not all part of the is, jigsaw. Yes. And not everything is going to blow your head off, right? So <laughs> it's... It's worth saying that. Not that we think anyone (laughs) of note is listening to this show, but just in case. Yes. Um, Um, But yeah, I mean, this is just another track. And we've all said it. We can see why it wasn't released by Prince himself. And yes, I'm happy it was released, as we are with almost every unreleased track that does now get released. We'd rather have it than not. I think there may be one song we've said in the past where like, nah, you can keep that one. But uh, yeah, what else can you say about this song? Let's just... Well, what you can say is let's go to track number 10. <laughs> track number 10. Track number 10. Teacher, teacher. Mrs. Robinson, let's go. So nice. You had to call it twice. There's a, <laughs> there's a deadening or deafening silence in the room. Toe Jam, why don't you lead us off into the, into the night? Well, seeing as I am a teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> See what I did? Um, toe jam, toe jam. <laughs> don't go there, please. <laughs> um, okay, so I like the music of this song, actually. I really like the music. I like the, um, the two, everything sort of these two chords, you know. Hmm. I mean, 
And again, another major two chord. So it's like. Um, which is kind of more interesting than just playing straight major major chords. Um, so that's nice about it. Similar song to Happy Birthday, Mr. Christian um, on the Apollonia album. So it makes me wonder in terms of, well, in, in terms of the story. You know, You're what's pulling happening. that out, man. <laughs> I give well, you I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a theme that, you know, Prince was singing about. Yeah. And so that was given to Apollonia. So it makes me wonder if this was intended for um, Vanity as well. I don't know. I like the bass line. It's kind of bubbly. Boom, 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 boom. And I like the fact that he, when he sings, you know, teach her, teach, it's kind of whispery. Um, but then it goes to that darker chord, and he's like, I know you get lonely. Like, it's kind of a good contrast between that. I refuse the- to let you go. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a good contrast between, like, you know, to the the child, so to speak, and then the inner, like, no, this isn't right kind of thing. So I love that, that change. That I love that change to those couple yeah. of chords. Yeah, it's good. And, I mean, you know, the instrumentation, the arrangement, it's just really clean and uh, together, and it sounds like a band, even though it's just Prince, I, I think. Nice harmonies when it's when he sings, I don't want to get an A, and does that rundown, and he stacks it up with all the other notes in the chord. Um, there's a version from 1985, 86, I guess, with Wendy and Lisa doing a bit more on it. And I was really surprised, actually, because, you know, Wendy and Lisa always talk about, you know, Prince would give them sketches of songs and, and they would often do Wendy and Lisa stuff to it, which, you know, I always took as, you know, adding extra harmonies and um, extra layers in the chords and this kind of thing. So I was surprised when I heard this that this one still had all those sort of open, suspended kind of chords because I'd always assumed that's what Wendy and Lisa had brought to the to the song. So when I mm. I was expecting kind of more of a bare bones, um, straight major chord kind of thing. So it was cool to hear that, you know, Prince was actually doing this a lot as well himself. That, that what you just said, I would like to underline and bold that on the show. Okay. <laughs> that's a really, um, no, because, I, sorry, sorry for interrupting you, but I just think that's so, I'll go into it in my room. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know where you're going because, you know, Wendy and Lisa have a reputation as, you know, making Prince songs a bit more arty. But, like, you know, Prince can do it himself when he he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a pop song, it just has so much going for it. Like, it's it's short, it's it's poppy, it's major, it's happy, it's bubbly, it's got bubbly bass lines, all this stuff. It's just that the lyric content is is an issue that you don't often hear in pop songs. And, uh, you know, maybe it takes some guts to write a song like this and, and put it out there. So... It's a shame it was never released. I mean, I think it's much, much better than Mr. Christian, um, which is a bit too weird, that one. This one, I think, captures more of that, the the realisation of this isn't right when it goes to those kind of more darker chords. So that's kind of cool. Whereas I think Happy Birthday, Mr. Christian's a bit, it's a bit more awkward because it's kind of funkier and it's like, oh, this shouldn't be funky. Like, <laughs> um, Anyway, I don't know what the hell I'm saying, so... I'll pass it on. It's it's an interesting song, and I, and I also I'm glad that um they the estate put this on there. Um, got to give them credit there. So there you go, teacher, teacher. Okay. Um, player, what do you think? Hmm, interesting. The guitar here, it's really the star of the track. I think this again harkens back to Dirty Mind sound in the instrumentation and execution. The hand claps and the bass breakdown at 124. That's really nice ear candy. But in having said all this. Like the last track, there's a lot of teacher-teacher repeated throughout this song. Not as much as Don't Let Him Fool You, but there is a fair bit of teacher-teacher. And the way it ends is really unexpected. It's just got this weird kind of ending. It's just like, oh, okay. that's I wasn't expecting that. Ooh, I've, um, got something to, I've got something to say about that. Okay, cool. So I'm not sure about this track. Maybe if it was worked on a bit more, like, you know, maybe given to Wendy and Lisa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it might be a bit more appealing to me. But here in this iteration, it's a bit... It's a bit forgettable. So, and the the fact that it backs on "Don't Let Him Fool You," 
you're getting that all a lot. And then you're getting teacher teacher. Just kind of like these these two tracks back to back. So uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I don't. I'm I'm kind of on the fence with it. Ooh, next okay. one. Another fence. Okay, before I hand it, Captain. Since I've got relatively minor th- or limited thoughts on this, uh, and some, some, most of them have already been covered, I'll shoot really quickly. And I'm doing this strategically because something I'm going to say actually refers to Mr. Captain. First thing, this sounds like a band to me, but it's one guy. (laughs) Yes, we all (laughs) know Guess where this is going. But that is, again, we've said it 101 times on the podcast. It's a pretty stunning achievement for him to do something like this and convince the listener that it could potentially be a band. I'm not necessarily suggesting it's weather report that I'm hearing, but, you know, a band of reasonable dexterity on their instruments, uh, it's it's a pretty big feat. So that's the first thing. Now, I also always think of Wendy and Lisa, and that point that ToeJam made, I think, is one of the biggest ones that I wanted to make, which is they their influence on his music was huge, but I think there was a harmonic ability that he had inherently already prior yeah. to... Wendy coming on board. I don't know how much of that came from Lisa, though, because remember, she was there in kind of 79, 80-ish, and so I'm sure she had a huge impact on him. You know, and this is recorded in what, mid to late 82, I think? So spring 82, there spring. you go. So it's just good to hear the kid who he's got, it's already in his in his blood, you know, and in his veins. His harmonies are a thing for him. And he's doing the vocals, etc. He's doing everything on here. It's another OMB, one-man band performance. Um, last thing, though, and this kind of... I mean, Player talked about it being repetitive. And yes, it's repetitive. I also think it's actually monotonous sounding. That It's almost like he doesn't really even want to sing the line. And I don't know whether he's doing it intentionally because it's a guide vocal, if you will, or just a run-through. But they just don't do much for me. Like, I'm not... Enca- he's not encapsulating me with his vocals. The, the, the voice just doesn't, just doesn't really go anywhere. But here's the thing. There's a jingly jangly rhythm. Musically, it's kind of a bit wishy-washy. And it's very similar to me to a song that was the subject of much laughter and rambunctiousness when we reviewed the Lotus Flower oh, here album, we go. or at least the, the digital release of that. This song reminds me of The Morning After. What? <laughs> yes. How many, wow. songs, this, how many songs remind you of the morning after? <laughs> <laughs> this is a morning after kind of ish track. There's something about it. I don't know whether it's the the melody or the lead line or the chorus. Maybe a bit of both or all three. It's not. I know. I'm not I know. Saying I know what it is. What is it? it there's something. There's drums. When we reviewed I don't know. the morning after. I am pretty sure that I said this really sounds like a revolution era track. It sounds like it's straight off Dream Factory. It's <laughs> because it's got this big harpsichord thing all the way through it. And even though this version is not the 86 version, I'm sure you've heard that. And that's where you're getting that connection through. Could be. Could be. <laughs> but could also not be. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I think it's those like sort of suspended chords in a sort of lo- little light pop kind of thing. You know, it this one's in D, yeah. and these ones are often in A or D, sort of nice, mm. common. Yeah, key. it is very light and puffy, fluffy, <laughs> puffy, fluffy, puffy, fluffy, <laughs> up in the clouds, puffy, fluffy. And now we go to Captain. Well, you, you've blown it really because you've said <laughs> you've, you've okay. said this is um, 
like the morning after and you know that i really like that song so you just know what i'm gonna say now right this is a really good song (laughs) what else can i say (laughs) (laughs) the start has reminiscent sounds of can't stop this feeling i got just a few tracks earlier i'm not sure exactly what it is Mm. it might be those two chords as well because they're here too too haha but this is up there at the top for me out of these 24 volt tracks it's in like the top five or six or seven wow. it is up there Jeez. what There's holy cow and this is why there are four of us on the pitch mc is going on a vocals a week are you kidding me there's great vocals on this the harmonies that he does on this are insane for a 1982 track geez it's crazy it's cool guitar stuff really nice drumming by prince as well now 17 seconds in he's already going great on the vocals at 125 i bloody love there's a big bass bit there and there's a big bass, big slide down, 132, 150, more great harmonies on those vocals. Like, this is stuff that he did through his entire career. But this is, like, some of the earliest versions of it. Like, you know, four, five, six different harmonies all going, and they just sound so good. 230, I like how he sings along with that guitar bit. There's more great little bass bits all through this. I'm not going to go through them all. But there's at least three or four others. You just, like, out of nowhere, there's a big bass run, and you're like, oh, there's bass. It's good. 244, more great vocal harmonies, some high falsetto notes. The later version with the revolution, something different again. Wendy and Lisa bring their own thing, and I love that version as well. I couldn't choose one over the other right now. Uh, Player mentioned the last note of this song, and it's an interesting... Or just the ending. It's an interesting last thing to end on. And you know what other song is very similar ending to that? I could never take the place of your man. And guess... When that was recorded, almost at exactly the same mm-hmm. time as this one. So that was oh, a wow. thing that yeah. was in his head. He's like, I'm going to end on these weird notes during these, this month. And he did mm-hmm. it here. He did it on that. And I'm sure there's other songs as well. So that's something interesting. Because, yeah, Never Take the Place Your Man ends on that guitar note. And you're just like, whoa, okay, that's that. And it's the same on this. It ends up on this note. And you're like, okay, we're going up here. Great. And then it's over. <laughs> um, but this is a great track. I really like it. It's in the, yeah, it's in the top seven oh, seven again there we go the end mm. and you mentioned 17 days yes well 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 we have reached track number 11 this is the last song on this disc and it concludes the unreleased material vault tracks as part of the super deluxe 1999 home stretch edition we're almost there ladies and gentlemen this is well, the title of this song is going to be interesting. This is Lady Cab Driver slash I Want to Be a Lover slash Head slash Little Red Corvette in brackets tour demo. And this was recorded at the home trail in early 83 with Don Bats behind the boards. And this is basically Prince, I mean structuring or restructuring parts of the show and he recorded this as a guide for how he wanted the band f- to go from song to song if i've got that correctly on the tour on the yeah tour. sorry yes for the 1999 tour yes. now the interesting thing about this is that allegedly this was done super quick prince plugged his guitar in and basically you know started up a, a lin machine groove lin drum machine groove started singing lyrics and then started adding sounds so he's basically overdubbing all this this is insane when you think about it from that perspective but before i go into any more details i'm going to hand this over to player oh man 
This is it. I can't believe Prince and the pre-revolution, I guess you call them, only played this live once One time. or maybe twice and dropped it. Yeah, and dropped it. I can't believe that. I mean, the Lindrum, those Oberheim synth stabs on the two, chicken scratch guitar, the bass... Uh, total funk face this is Minneapolis sound you want to know what it is this is it like this is where it starts all this here if you want an example of it put this track on straight away cab driver absolutely rocks the way it blends into I want to be a lover is really cool it's very rem- reminiscent of the purple melody and all those little mixes he would come up with every now and again whether it be for like a you know an album remix or a tour or whatever how he put these little songs together it's very similar the addition of head again is seamless and extremely funky. The first two, 20, uh, two minutes and 20 seconds is the absolute funk. When it switches a little red Corvette, it's still great. It just kind of loses its momentum in that change. I feel right there, it just kind of loses it a little bit, which is what the song calls for. So that's fine. But I'm thinking, oh man, that's where it was grooving right there. But it does pick up again because, you know, the, the version of Little Red Corvette up follows closely to the dance mix. And it grooves for the remainder the remainder of that track. So I love this song. I think it's great. It, it, I I love to put I, I put this on. It makes me happy. Like I love it. That said, I'd love to have seen this on the second disc of outtakes. And so instead of the edits and that whole second disc, I would execute that completely differently with this the international oh, lover outtake. A How come you don't call me anymore? Player? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> a long de- the Long Delirious. Basically, everything on these two Vault tracks, uh, the, the two Vault discs <laughs> that appear on the 1999 album would be the second discs with the extended mixes and B-sides. And then the Vault discs, they'd be all the sort of unheard and unreleased material. I would just do it a little bit differently. But I'll save that to the end of my whole review of this super deluxe set. But... Yeah, I just had to add that there. But this is awesome. And I, I'm really at a loss as to why this got dropped out of the tour because I reckon this is great. Because you said okay. there's a point where it totally drops its momentum. That's probably why. No, but you know what? There was a thing that um, Morris Hayes was talking about, how he's saying about Cab Driver specifically, how Prince said he never thought that translated live. Mm. And Morris was like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. you know, it's awesome. But for some reason, Prince just didn't think it translated live. And I don't know if it's because of this or something happened or, you know, for whatever the reason is. And, like, really, after this live, Cab Driver never came out, really. Mm. I mean, maybe 86, maybe? I don't know. But, like, really, like, it wasn't a staple of the live thing. And, he, you know, Morris even said, or Prince said that to Morris. So, Mm. yeah, it's very interesting. But I I wonder if it's got something to do with, like, you know, Lady Cab Driver and When Doves Cry, there's sort of a loneliness to them, the lyrics, and I wonder if that's part of why it's difficult to translate it live, especially at a Prince, you know, mega concert where people are there to party. It's not, it's, yeah, it's kind of I think Doves Cry is very difficult live, yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one. Try to get that sentiment across, but at the same time, Everyone's there to party. So I can sort of see why it might be difficult to get those ones to translate. Mm, who knows? Because I think Cabal Driver, at least like the underlying groove of it, yeah, it's, it's there. The, the sound is there. Maybe the lyrics, yeah, has that loneliness to them. But I mean, who knows? I love it. Who's next? Ooh. Well, there's another Who album title. Okay, Captain, what do you think about this? I am slightly puzzled why this was included. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting recording. Could it be testing the waters to see if we're interested in hearing more two rehearsals? If that's the case, my answer is yes. In full, unedited form. 
That, that said... Love sexy, please. That said, <laughs> many tour rehearsals can be pretty boring run-throughs, especially if it's just before a show. He's saving his energy for the show. They'd have to pick carefully so they actually included, you know, interesting rehearsals. Anyway, the interesting thing about tour rehearsals is that in some cases, the arrangements can be quite different to the album versions and the transitions are actual musical pieces in themselves. Like Player just said, Love Sexy is a perfect example. Like this is interesting considering that in this form, again, Player said, it was only played one time in front of an audience. And that that was the thing with Prince. You could rehearse something for hours and days and it might get played once or even not at all. Not at all. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually like the fact when he gets a little red Corvette, he doesn't sing it. You can really focus on what the band is doing and they sound great. I like you can hear that little guitar riff from the extended version, which which player said as well. Uh, 6.11, you get this big ending with that weird chord progression. That's something to listen to. And it's also this track itself. It's an interesting choice to end, I think, this whole vault tracks. Yeah with this as it stands out from everything else as it's not a studio recording if it was any of the other vault tracks there'd be this big debate between all the fans over whether should this vault track have been the last track or this one should have been out of the 23 other studio tracks to close the disc so by choosing this they've taken that whole debate away because it is what it is but it also translations nicely to the to the live the disc, disc and yes the- yeah. Yes, that yeah, too. It's a good transition. But that's all I've got to say, except do I like it? Like I said, it's an interesting listen. Uh, the quality, quality is great. It's perfect. Audio yeah, quality. It's great. Look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, I'll listen to this in the context of this disc, but like some other tracks here, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to just be sitting there one day and feel the need, as Larry Graham says, to run and listen to just this track, <laughs> The End. <laughs> And that is a cover song that we recently found out. But yes. Okay, that's another story. What? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yes. No, bow to doubt it. It is a cover. <laughs> we heard that's it. Right. I'm shocked. Yeah, I think by a Detroit band. Well, we can... Uh, You're not getting mistaken with... Can, um, no. Nope. No. It ain't no fun nope. to me because that's a cover. Nope. nope. Wow. Yeah. Check it wow, out. You heard it here first on the Peach and Black podcast. Feel the Need in Me, full title, is a song written by Abram Tillman and performed by the Detroit Emeralds, released in late 72. Larry Graham then covered it, funked it up. Okay. Toe Jam. I don't have a lot to say about this. Like you guys have all said, it's a curious one because where do you put this? I mean, it doesn't really specifically fit on any disc. So you could put it in with the live stuff. Well, then, uh, well, actually, technically, it's not really live. You could put it in with the B-sides disc. Well, technically, it doesn't really fit there either. Uh, you put it with the outtakes. Well, it doesn't really fit there either. So where do you put it? I mean, it's got to go somewhere. I would like to know how often Prince did this kind of thing. It's, it's very interesting yeah. to me because mm. I got the impression that Prince would record the studio versions that the band would then learn and you were expected to learn the album version or whatever, you know, the studio version was. And then they would, in the rehearsals, they would figure out all this stuff between the band. But this one's obviously very different where he's the one that's going, no, no, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to give it to all of you guys. So I can imagine it must have been tough for Prince in the studio trying to limit himself, just trying to keep in mind, well, hang on, I've only got, you know, one guitarist and I've only got X men of people singing backing vocals, so I can't go over the top here with a thousand overdubs, which I'm sure he would have wanted to. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I, I wish Lady Cab Driver went a bit longer. I mean, it barely even makes yeah, a minute, exactly. I think. So, yeah. There's no, no lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I do like the fact that it goes into the dance remix of Little Red Corvette because yeah. that, that's funky, all that stuff. It goes to the relative minor and everything. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't I really have a lot say to say about it. The dance it. mix and not the special dance mix. That's all <laughs> I'm glad I made that correct. Distinction. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't have much to say about it because it's, it's just hard to listen to as a, I'm going to listen to this as a song kind of thing. You listen to it in the respect of this is a curiosity that Prince put together for the tour. So it is kind of like listening to a rehearsal, which is not that particularly interesting. So um, Hang on, yeah, this I'll is, leave it there. I mean, this is something no one's made clear yet, and I still don't have a physical copy, so I don't see the liner notes. Is this just Prince? Is this not the band? I think mm-hmm. so. From what it says in the liner notes, there's it, it sort of gives the impression that it is just Prince. Oh, yeah. so he recorded all um, this and then gave it to the band and said, this is what we're going to yeah. do. Oh, okay. That's basically yeah. what it says in the liner notes, but it's not. it doesn't specifically say... You know, this is definitely 100% Prince, or this is definitely with the band. It's, it's uh-huh, just says, okay. you know, Prince recorded this. He grabbed out the guitar and the lean and everything. And so, I mean, I suspect it is a, a Prince-only performance, but also it wouldn't surprise me if the band's there as well. So I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, you know, in 2012, just before the Welcome to Australia tour, you know how he sent us the version of Days of Wild, which was like a rehearsal yeah. uh, kind yeah. of thing and sort of like hinting this is what the, what the live version is going to be like. So it is kind of like that, but in 1982 with Prince doing it. So it's it's very interesting. So and I guess, he must have, yeah, did the recordings of, yeah, possibly. Um, so, yeah, that's all I really got to say about it. I mean, it's an interesting kind of way to segue from the studio material into the live material. Yeah, I, I didn't even I mean, think of that in terms part, of the package. So. The player said it, yeah. yeah. It's the perfect spot to put it, really. I think the player was saying he would have preferred it somewhere else. else so. <laughs> I was just about uh, anyway. to say the same thing as Captain, actually, because it, it's one of the things I love about doing the show outside of just doing the show is this sort of stuff where we like the four of us are also discovering uh, stuff that we didn't think of, which happens all the time. But that that one is like, it's brilliant. It's, it's like, it's, of course, where of else would either. you put it? <laughs> it's the transition from the studio tracks to the live stuff. It's yeah. and, it, and it's a rehearsal. So it's like in the middle. It's perfect. <laughs> It's, it literally is placed as good as you could. I mean, the, you can't even resequence this. This is, this is <laughs> play, absolutely play great. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is this is a hard one to, I guess, review because you're not reviewing a studio material, you're not reviewing live material. It's basically done predominantly to tighten up the show to make it better in whatever better means in Prince's mind and deliver to the band and. But I think, I don't know if it was player or Toe Jam, someone said it was only ever done once in this form, only played once, and then it was changed again. And that just shows you that the, the level of constant flux and, well, change, the ebb and flow of Prince's career, but also behind the scenes, you know, putting a show together and amending it to suit whatever he's trying to convey on stage and all this sort of stuff it's so so fascinating i don't have too much to say about the music per se because it's so similar to in in many respects to what comes on the next disc and the disc after that um which we're gonna get to (laughs) yeah (laughs) there are some subtle variations but if this is a prince one-man band performance guide for the band it's just utterly insane to think of what was going on in this guy's Mind And in some way, I mean, I can't identify with that. I can't possibly imagine mm. what it's like to have that much sound. That First of all, those that many ideas constantly swimming around in your brain. But then to add to that, that 
that it's sound as well. Like it's not a tangible thing until you actually, you know, press down on the keys or put something together. And it's just crazy to think of these people. And Prince was one of the great examples of, you know, we've said it before, musical genius who just sees things, imagines things, hears things actually is what I should really be saying. And for me, this is the best way I can assess this thing that they've included, this tour rehearsal. This is an insight into not so much a Prince song or a Prince performance, but this piece that we end on disc disc four with is an insight into Prince's mind and how he wants to convey his music on the stage. And that is just fantastic. And Thanks for putting it on here. Hopefully, when we get to stuff like, let's say, Parade. Can you guys imagine if they get Parade tour rehearsals? Like like a good one? (laughs) (laughs) That would be really mind-blowing. So, Just imagine all those Parade outtakes. All those Parade outtakes. That era. Craziness. Absolute craziness. So, with that, that, we've actually gotten to, if that's a word, the end of (laughs) this. We made it. We made 24 it. volt, well, 23 volt tracks and a tour rehearsal. Yeah. Wow. Craziness. Took us Craziness. about, took now, us what, at least six or seven hours, but we got there. <laughs> so there you go. There you have it. I mean, we're not doing final thoughts because this review isn't even over yet. We're about to do the live material next. Um, it ain't over. This has been another episode of the Peach and Black podcast. Thank you for your company. Thank you for everyone's support and your continued support. Thank you for supporting our normal show, our extension show, Peach and Black Plus. For those who haven't heard of it, so many have joined already. But for those who haven't, you can go to peachandblackplus.com. And who? any any other shout-outs, anything else we Check want to end with, Check it out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got, I got something to say. The people that are still looking for the survey results, they're coming. They're coming. Oh, yeah. They're all collated. It's upcoming. Don't fret. Don't say, oh, we're, you forgot. No, we didn't forget. They're coming. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's and just these damn shows again, keep running too long and we never got time to put the, <laughs> put the survey results on the end, but they're coming. Yeah. And I think the three of us, Tojem, myself and Captain, I'm sure, are eagerly anticipating the results as well, because as we've done in the past, I think, Player, you're the only one that knows what's yeah. up. Yeah. Correct. So that's going to be Very awesome. interesting results. Cool. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another classic Peach and Black podcast. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, and all good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. You can continue your Peach and Black experience online. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S, MC, Player, Toe Jam, and Captain. Original theme music by yours truly, Toe Jam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review on Apple Podcasts. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com. I've just got one more thing to say. Oh, that's your end. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. You idiot. (laughs) Got a lot of Eric Carmen. Hungry eyes, really? Hungry eyes. You're going to end on hungry eyes. (laughs) Eric Eric Carmen is great.
uh, and Make Me Lose Control is one of my favorite songs ever. So yes, Eric Carmen okay, is fine to end the show on. That's in the outro. That is definitely the outro to yep. this show. 100%. <laughs> yep. 